Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time now for the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Get nasty on a Thursday. It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN with Jamie Rivers and Anthony Stalter. Marshy Marsh behind the dish today, spinning the dials, moving them around. I don't know. He's toggling buttons, toggling. Yeah, whatever the hell he does back there. But he's here. He is here. And so is our guy, Brad Thompson, BT, joining us live, I believe, from his home. Satellite. Satellite. (laughs) Via satellite. He's here. He's with us for the first two segments today. What's up, BT? What is going on, fellas? Hey, are things still toggling over there? I recall that being a very big issue back in the day. <laughs> it was an it was an issue, I think, for one board op and one board op only. Our guy yeah. Marsh, uh, you know, when he makes Marsh a mistake, never toggles. No, when no. he makes a mistake, he just he just admits it. Like, hey, that was that was on me. Uh, anyways, yeah, so we, real real quick, just to let people know what toggles mean, we we recorded what it was basically a full commercial, right? We had recorded it early. And uh, we we get done, and said board op who shall remain nameless, rhymed with puke. Uh, he he looked at it and like uh, uh, it it, uh, it it didn't record. Like, what do you mean it didn't record? What happened? It, to- it toggled. It what? toggled. What you mean toggled? You, press the, you mean you didn't press the button? With, no, it, it toggled. Which, by the way, it's a button you press. It's not like a switch that you flip up and down. Like, right. There's no toggle. There's no yeah. toggle to it. What did what did a ghost come in and decide to screw around around with us and then just hit the off uh, button? Because that yeah. that basically was is the only thing that's gonna happen. And it was award winning too. It up was. To that point. Oh, oh yeah, it was one it of the best great. live reads uh, like, we've ever done. Like, quite ever. frankly, in ever, Bob. Yeah. yeah. So, BT, let's let's chat a little bit here about the waiver wire. So, the Angels decided to dump some players the other day. They're trying to get under the luxury luxury tax because what a trade deadline they had, Anthony. Yeah, oh, that was nice. Yeah, oh, boy, the return they got for Otani was great. Oh, oh wow. Atlanta. Uh oh. So they don't trade Otani because of Marsh. Before he was hurt. Yeah, before he was hurt. Uh. Marsh went on the airwaves days before the trade deadline and said I hope the Angels keep Otani they should make a run for it and the Angels said okay we're going to keep Otani and make a run for it and now they don't have Otani from a pitching standpoint they definitely won't have him in the winter and now they dumped Lucas Giolito, who they acquired mm. at the deadline, as well as Hunter Renfro. 
Uh, Ronaldo Lopez. They had, a, they had a bunch of guys that they just said. Pretty much half the team. We're going to dump these guys because of salary. I, I don't I don't blame them from that standpoint, but what a disaster. But Jamie Rivers, our very own Jamie Rivers, said the other day, why wouldn't you acquire, why don't you put a waiver claim in on Lucas Giolito? And the Cardinals being, I think I think they had at the time, what, the fourth or fifth worst record in was, baseball? I think it was their fifth pick. They had a pretty good chance of getting Giolito if they wanted him. BT, any thoughts to – and I'm, I'm going to ask you personally. Do, did you give any thoughts to maybe the Cardinals getting Lucas Giolito? So approaching the trade deadline, first of all, I thought, uh, and, and even as the season was going on, I thought that Lucas Giolito could be a very interesting trade person, you know, like a, a guy of interest for the Cardinals. Now, as we got to the trade deadline and realized that they were dead in the water, it didn't seem like that was a good idea to go and pour in assets for a player that's not going to be able to help you down the stretch, make it to the postseason. Um, but it is a little bit different, obviously, when it comes to a waiver claim. But here's here's where I'm at with Giolito and basically anybody else uh, of the same ilk. You know, I think that right now it is far more important for the Cardinals to go out there and evaluate what they have currently in their system than it is to evaluate somebody from outside of it. They know what Giolito is. His track record is what it is. You've got all the information. you got all the spin rates. you got this, that, and the other. And if you're trying to sell him on baseball heaven, we talked about this the other day with Blake Snell, right? I don't think that down the stretch of a team that is way out of a postseason is the way to sell baseball heaven. If you want to buy the player, money is going to be the way that gets that player in. I don't think it's just endearing himself to uh, St. Louis. So I think it's far more important right now to look at Dakota Hudson, Drew Rahm, Zach Thompson, whoever else comes in. You need to know if these guys, if you truly believe that these guys are options or not options, Lucas Giolito is going to be out there on the market. You will have every opportunity to go get that guy just like uh, just like you would. Even if you put the claim in on him and you want him next year, you'd still have to pay him. I just think that evaluating your talent right now is going to be the most important part. They're going to need to check some boxes off. They need to say, whoever, right, Dakota, boom, he's not the guy. Rom, not the guy. Like, whatever. They need to figure this out in the next month. Yeah, I don't disagree with that, BT. I just, I think my mindset at the time when I saw Giolito and Clevenger, for that matter, I was like, you know what? The Cardinals need a mid-rotation and a bottom-of-the-rotation guy if they're going to go after a number one or an ace. They, they have a couple of slots that they need to fill. And, you know, what? what's the expense, really? I mean, there's some money down the stretch here. Get Giolito in. Maybe he likes it here. And I know it's not optimal as far as, you know, what's going on here with the team or even maybe the amount of fans that are at Bush Stadium every night to watch the team. But, I don't know, I felt like there was value in maybe getting him here. And not that you'd get much of a discount. I think you'd have to at least uh, bring the money to the table again. But also, I, I felt like it was research and development, too, where you got the player in here, you got to see what he was like, more so scouting from within. So the Cardinals sure. could decide in the offseason at that point, do we want to spend the money? Yes, because he was great here. We really liked him. Yeah. Or, no, nah, we're good. We'll pass on this because it just didn't seem right. That's the that's the way I was looking at you it. You know, the, Brad, that that is an interesting point. You can, you can view Giolito and say, okay, we know what he is as a pitcher. 
But I think one of the things that I'm assuming that Ali and the front office want to take a deeper dive into after this season is also the the clubhouse culture. I know you got a lot of good leadership in the in the clubhouse. It's not like it was a fractured clubhouse from from what we know of, uh, but it, it's still important to bring in guys that are going to fit, and that would have been a, a small opportunity to do that. I, I hadn't thought about it that way. No, I think, uh, Jamie, that's a fantastic point. You're absolutely right, guys, that, uh, look, it is it is important. A clubhouse nucleus is important. I believe that chemistry is important. Um, but I, I think that hopefully you could do a little bit of that that research and development outside of your own building. It is different when they get in because I don't know if this has ever happened to the Cardinals before, but sometimes you get a report and it could be conflicting with the player that you end Hmm. up getting. Like, that can happen. Doesn't sound. Never heard that one before. Yeah, it's happened in the past. Hmm. Um, But uh, who knows? Who knows uh, what that ends up looking like? And maybe that tells you a little bit, too, potentially, of, like, do they they think Giolito is a guy for them next year, or do they think that he's an option? Maybe yes, maybe no. Uh, But, no, you're you're right on that stance. I would just personally, I'd like to see the young guys go out there, not because I think that the young guys are going to wow you necessarily and win a job, I want the front office to be able to look at this group and say, okay, we don't have the answer here. Like that's that to me, that is the the biggest key. It's like, okay, we do need to go get three starters. We need to sign two free agents. We need to trade for one. And I think that the only way to do that is to exhaust it down the stretch. Now, if you're one of these guys, your thought is the complete opposite of that is I am going to shove it right up their tail (laughs) and I'm going to show them that I am the Rominator and this is what I do. And Dakota, it's like, I'm done nibbling the corners against the Phillies. I'm going to go pound the zone and go get them. And Zach Thompson, forget the bullpen. I want to go be a part of this. And I believe that he can. But I want to see it for the rest of the season without taking innings away from any of these other guys. But honestly, had they picked up Giolito, we'd have been like, okay, we'll find out what what Giolito's got. Maybe it is an audition for a year from now. But it doesn't change anything that this offseason and guys like doing the show during the offseason is going to be so incredibly entertaining because I cannot think of a time where the Cardinals needed to do more work. And, I mean, as soon as the World Series ends, it's going to be wall-to-wall of how do they make this team better. Yeah, no doubt. By the way, Lucas Giolito, I don't know if I mentioned this, Giolito was claimed by the Guardians. Mm-hmm. So he goes he goes to Cleveland. He struggled with the Angels, but he was having a decent season with the White Sox, which is why the, the Angels, who, again, were trying to make a run yeah, with went for it, Anthony. Otani, decided to get Giolito. And almost right out of the gates, his first two starts were disastrous. But... Guardians might as well put a waiver claim in on him. They also did so with Ronaldo Lopez. So they claim Giolito Lopez from the Angels. Mike Clevenger was another name that we had brought up, but he cleared waivers. He's going to go back to the White Sox. One of the big reasons why is that he had a $12 million mutual option for 2024 that teams didn't want to bite on. So That mutual thing again. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Jamie, we had discussed that the other day. We sure did. From a local standpoint, Harrison Bader was claimed. He's back in the NL Central, guys. He's with the Reds. The Reds claimed Harrison Bader off waivers from the Yankees. Bader now has a new home. Back in the NL Central. Crowded Reds outfield, but they're trying to make make do and and, and try to make one run here at, at a wild card spot. So Harrison Bader back in the NL Central. Any other 
waiver things stand out to you guys? Hunter Renfro also claimed by the Reds, I, yeah. I should mention. The only thing that stood out to me was the Reds picking up a couple of outfielders. It looks like they're going to try and take a little bit of a run here at the NL Central. Obviously, uh, the Brewers and the Cubs right there. And the Reds, a bit of a surprising season out of them. And they obviously need some outfield help and think that that's going to help them. So who yeah. knows? We'll see. Yeah, I think that Bader back in the Central is going to be fun. And to Jamie's point, solidify some things defensively, right? You need all the help that you can get. You're starting to get healthier from a pitcher standpoint. They got uh, Hunter Green back a couple of weeks ago. I think Graham Ashcraft is solid. Andrew Abbott is obviously a guy for them. But you want to help solidify things as much as you can uh, there. I like that move. But nothing really jumped off the page. The fact that the Angels did what they did uh, of getting the guys, then selling them off, I mean, it's an abject fail. Mm -hmm. overall from the trade deadline standpoint but yeah not a not a ton out there you know that that really turned uh turned our head and by the way uh get a text here i still uh, figured out how to uh get on our text line here we are and one that says uh gtfo brad what is gtfo guys you know that one yeah i'm gonna refrain from saying that Mm because i like my job Good. We all know the Cardinals have nothing in the immediate pipeline. Go get Gio immediately. Well, Giolito immediately. Uh, here's the thing, uh, and I, I will reference a uh, Ace Ventura. We know that. We know that. They think they might have something right there. You know what I mean? <laughs> this is a, he. He thinks. She thinks he's coming back. <laughs> Your wife said uh, that he'll be right back. Yeah. We expect he him will. home any minute so now. This it, it, it has to be continually like like uh, you know maybe beaten over the head because these are guys that you've drafted and developed and uh, and it's not to say they're not good pitchers like they are all of them are good pitchers but maybe they're not all the answer and not to say one of them can't emerge uh, as the answer but the thing is you, you need to go out there and just show okay. They went out there a few times. This is good. It's not good enough. Like, good is not getting it done. The uh, The amount of depth they've had right now is not getting it done. So maybe if you run it out there a little bit longer, it becomes clearer and clearer as the season ends. Or at, at least if you believe in one of the guys and he backs it up, you feel very solid in your decision having that guy's back. The engine's running. There's just nobody behind the wheel. <laughs> 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 is what he said. Uh, it's, she thinks she he's thinks he's going. The engine's running. Nobody's behind the wheel. All right, it's the fast lane on one hundred and one at ESPN. We're going to talk to Brad about the last two two nights or two games for the Cardinals. Exciting walk off wins with Tommy Edmond. We'll also talk about the young pitchers. I think it's important to kind of continue to get BT's viewpoint on on guys like Drew Rom and Zach Thompson and Dakota Hudson. So we'll do that next. With our guy BT next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Exciting day yesterday at Bush Stadium. Chip Carey on the call. Bally Sports Midwest. And we have his partner and our partner, Brad Thompson, for another segment. Jamie Rivers, Anthony Stalter's the fast lane on 101 ESPN. 
BT, you guys have had a long season. The players have, the coaching staff, the front office, uh, but you guys as broadcasters, I don't envy your your, your position. I, I've had to do it with the Rams. At least that's only one one game a week. You guys, uh, every day, it's not yeah. easy. But the last two two days, at least, were, were fun for you guys. Look, yes, the last two days were a blast. A couple of walk-offs, Tommy Edmond, the freaking hero against Hater. Everybody saw that one coming. Uh, that, was, uh, uh, that, was, that was really cool. At the end of the day, though, baseball is still baseball, right? It's still a game. Yeah, we all wish they were, were winning more ball games, but this job is still fun, man. It's fun, win, lose, or draw. I love more wins. But I'm having a blast this year. Chip's been fun to work with. We're, we're, uh, we're getting through it, and sometimes we rock uh, the Brock umbrellas. Those things have not lost yet. I should wear those more often on yeah. air. Because what are they those called? Got the Brock umbrellas? The Brock umbrella. The huh. Brock umbrella. Like Lou Brock umbrella. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it was a giveaway like a long time ago. And boy, are they making a comeback right now because they've got runs all over them. We put those on, all of a sudden, bingo, bango, three run home run by Jordan Walker Bongo. It was that easy? Chip's got a big dome. Did they have to uh, sure does. add a little extra <laughs> material for his? Dude, that's what I said. I go, well, it's very evident that they fit all shapes and sizes because he has got a cranium. There's a lot of brains up there. You hear all the adjectives that he uses. Yes. You can't cram those into a brain like mine. So, uh, no, they, they're, uh, the elastic is very, very stretchy in those things. <laughs> BT, I, I didn't get a chance to ask you the other day or to talk about it with you, um, but Drew Rahm, you know, game one he goes out there, and I don't know if you could have picked a worse way to start your major league baseball career than what happened in that start. But then he comes out for his second start. And again, oh, first pitch, Schwarber, <laughs> Schwarber eats it like he ha- like a, like a filet and he hasn't eaten in a week. It just destroys that thing. But then Drew Rom settles in and the stuff starts to play. It starts to work. He's getting strikeouts. BT, I don't know what the hell to think about this guy right now. What are you seeing when you look at him? Yeah, I think you see upside, right? Now, do you see an answer in your rotation for 2024? Personally, I don't. Not right now. I see depth piece. Again, he's 23 years old. But you see he's got an element of swing and miss, which is nice. Now, not on the first pitch to Schwarber, which, by the way, those two guys apparently work out at the same place uh, in the offseason sometimes, and he's thrown to him in the past. And Drew thought he could sneak a heater by him, thought he would let one go. Turns out that wasn't the case. But uh, it <laughs> sure was, wasn't. Yeah. It's like, okay, back to the drawing board. That's always fun. You have that rocky first one like you're talking about against the Buccos, Jamie. And you're like, okay, well, here's what I need to do. I just need a little different atmosphere here in Philadelphia due to the fact that there are fans. And then I need to have a good start to this. That's all. Just a little, oh, God, one nothing. But then he... <laughs> But then, like to your point, all he did was go out there. He was not scared out of the zone. Um, the plus, the the ups with him. First of all, he is very deceptive. So left-hander, three-quarter delivery normally. Another part of him that's interesting is the fact that he does vary his delivery. He'll come over the top more. He'll drop down even more. He'll do it with his sinker. He'll flick his slider in sideways. Like he does a lot of things uh, that that move the ball well and create deceptiveness and they really love the spin of his slider they they like the fact that that is a pitch that will provide swing and miss the problem was against the pirates guys he couldn't land that pitch he couldn't throw it for a strike and against the phillies he did a very good job of that and again in a game that could have just uh could have gone 
haywire quickly. It started off with the Schwarber home run. Trey Turner laced his single into center field. That was kicked into an error. He's on second. You're like, oh, boy, who's going to be getting warm? I think that he showed some poise. Now, from a and, – and, again, this is why I want to see a guy like this, a guy like Drew Rom, pitch a third time and a fourth time and a fifth time down the stretch in a season where you are not postseason bound. I want to see more and more, and there's going to be good teams that you're playing down the stretch that are fighting for their playoff lives, just like he faced in the Phillies. And I think that that's important to see, does he continue to grow in that environment and what you really have in Drew Rock? Yeah, and I think I I liked his mental toughness because of the first start, then the Schwarber home run, but then that Phillies lineup, they can bang. And he didn't get too rattled. He just kept, you know, pitching within his game because he's not going to blow them away with a 100-mile-an-hour heater. He's going to nibble the corners. He's going to make them work for He's going to get some ground balls. But I thought he was. I thought he showed a lot of mental toughness. No, he did. You're absolutely right. And Anthony, this is a guy, too, after that, that rocky start and that first inning was the home run, the single in the air. He walked Harper in that inning. Then he punched out Bohm and Real Muto. You're like, okay, like the way to settle in. Yeah. Next inning, he struck out uh, Stott, so three Ks in a row. Then it was single, single. You're like, oh, no. But then he gets out of that. He gets the next two guys out. He went uh, at a point where he ended up retiring 11 Phillies in a row. And to Jamie's point, that's a very good lineup. So the question is, where do you go after that one? What is the next step? It was five and a third. He gave up two earned runs and punched out six. That is a good outing. Not necessarily the the quality, if you will, due to the fact that that is six innings. But it was a good outing from a guy that you want to see more of. Dakota Hudson. BT. He he struggles in a losing effort against Phillies. Now he has he has had some good starts since entering re-entering the starting rotation. But when you look at his out against the Phillies, and 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 I'm not just saying, okay, this is it, right? Like one out against Phillies, boom, that's we, we can just cross him off now. But this is kind of my issue with Dakota Hudson. When he faces lesser lineups, he can get away with walking walking hitters and he, you know, he his High on base or his uh, high left on base percentage, it's it's okay. You're not facing tougher offenses, but when you're facing Bryce Harper and you're facing Stott and you're facing Real Muto and you're facing the, a stacked Phillies lineup, next thing you know, it's five and two thirds, and it's a it's a losing effort for Dakota Hudson. Have you seen anything different? You know, he's 28 years old. Is is Dakota Hudson what he is at this point? I think so. I, I think by now, if if we don't know what Dakota Hudson is. I mean, I, I don't know what else. He's been given a lot of opportunities. And I know this is a guy that missed a year with Tommy John. And by the way, what, what Dakota is is serviceable. Like, he is he is fine. He, he is a big leaguer. But to think that he's going to make these leaps and bounds and then all of a sudden become a strike thrower and then have a lot more swing and miss, I just don't think that that's exactly what he's going to be. And, Anthony, I think that you hit the key point is when you get up against the lineup like the Phillies, they kind of, I don't, I don't want to say scared him out of the zone, but he wasn't as aggressive as we've seen him against some other lineups. But we've also seen him in the past. He's got a delivery that is just very difficult to repeat. That front shoulder flies off, and if the arm is not, you know, if he, if he can't get that timing right, it's hard to get that sinker coming out of the same slot. I think that his slider is a plus-plus pitch when he lands it. 
the when he lands it thing is erratic for him as well because it's got great nasty downward bite to it when he's on top of it fingers are there really snaps it off and when he doesn't it's a cement mixer that says hit me all over it which everybody's backup slider is but unfortunately for him like he's just had a, t- a difficult time for the most part landing that pitch he landed it against the Mets two starts ago he punched out seven in that one he landed it against Minnesota punched out seven in that one I believe all seven of his punch outs in that game and he went seven strong against the twins were all on that slider but it's the inconsistencies at this point I think that they're they're too much to look at and say okay well like another year and it's going to look different to me Dakota Hudson is a very valuable depth piece to have. You'd love to have him in the organization. I don't know what the pay raise is going to look like for Dakota Hudson, but I think that if everything sets up the way you need it to set up this offseason and you build your team that you think can win the Central and go on a run, I think Dakota is a starter for you in Memphis, the way that I look at it. And then, BT, finally, before we let you go, Zach Thompson, what are your thoughts on him? I think that Zach Thompson can absolutely be a starter for you. But I also believe he could be a dominant member of the bullpen. So um, I'm not exactly sure how they envision him. They might also envision him next year coming in as a depth piece if they go out and make some moves in their bullpen. Because I don't know how much we've talked about this. I know we've talked about starters a lot. The Cardinals are going to have to get busy when it comes to bullpen help, too. They've got a guy or maybe two guys they trust in their bullpen right now. That tends to be a bit of an issue. So maybe Thompson can be one of those guys also. I believe the addition of that cutter, that and he calls it a slider, it profiles more as a cutter. We called it a collider the other day, well which seems safer <laughs> than the other one that you could have used for it. So uh, if you use slider first, it turns into something derogatory. Yeah, no, so, you don't do that. Mm. No, not frowned upon. At least it's on cable, and you can say anything eh. once, but I don't know if it was worth it. So right. um, I, I do think that that is a big league offering for him, and it's going to help him quite a bit. And I hope that he is in the mix. I hope he's in there next year in spring training, battling it out with whoever it is for maybe a fifth starter job. But I think that he'll he'll be a part of what you're doing next year. I'm just not clear on what that role is going to look like for Zach Thompson, but I think that he's got the poise to do either. I really think that he could pitch effectively out of the pen in high leverage, and we've seen an uptick in the velocity there. But I also believe he can be a starter for you. But last time out, and, and that's this again, this is the fun part of evaluating some of these guys down the stretch. A better lineup he faced last time out. And the fastball command was not where you wanted it. Really had a tough time with that. Now, his misses weren't awful and egregious, but misses were misses nonetheless. He fell behind, walked more guys than we've seen him do recently, and that's why I want to see more of him and be able to continue evaluating here in the last month. BT, great stuff as always. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll check back with you next week. Guys, sound great. Have a good show, and I'll talk to you this week. All right. Thank Thanks, you, sir. That's, uh, that's our guy. Thompson here in the fast line on 101 ESPN. You can listen to him throughout the course of the uh, the rest of the season. Valley Sports Midwest with Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. City SC bounces back. Gets a win last night over Dallas 2-1. Bounces back. Yeah. I like what you did there. We'll talk about what led to the bounce back and some of the other headlines from their storylines from City SC. That's next on 101 ESPN.
Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, Trex, Envision, Azek, and decorators to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Stop by and see Hackman's expanded paint department, too, with brushes, rollers, painter's tape, and four different lines of interior and exterior paint. Custom color match available. Visit Hackman Lumber's newly remodeled stores in St. Peter's and Pacific, or their showroom in Troy, Missouri. Hackman Lumber. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Nice bounce back for City SC last night as they knock off Dallas 2-1. And it was the new guys, Jamie. It was the new guys that, that, that got it, it done. for. to be that way I with know, this team. right? Like a Denneran comes up to, yep. you know, he's called up months ago and he winds up getting one or two, I think it was two goals his first game with City he SC. Yeah, he scored one and then had the penalty kick. It, it does seem like these these new guys come in and, and they make an immediate impact. So Bradley Carnell, the head coach, for City SC, he he talks about how City SC incorporates new players and how they respond so quickly. First off, you know, uh, credit to Lutz, we have a tactical profile of what we are looking for with certain players, right? So when we have to make moves and and we acquire players, we don't just acquire players for the namesake. Um, and and it's just a, a a player, right? We have a look into the details of what uh, and how they can help us down the line here. Um, and and bringing in Nuxi was a was a very targeted move. We knew what he can bring. We know he scores goals. We know he's dangerous in the box, and we know he's a a, a tireless worker. You know, he's he's a he's a workaholic uh, with his running loads. So, um, and then Anthony Mokanik is a good technical uh, outside back who likes to get forward. You know, so um, looks like my profile of the type of player I like. Um, and Anthony fits those profiles too. So, and then credit to the staff. I mean, everyone works behind the scenes here, giving these guys videos and uh, individual sessions after trainings and showing them some more video of stylistically how we want to do things and, and break teams down. So, yeah, we were forced into a moment last night where we had to, you know, be a little bit creative and, and be, I wouldn't say uh, organized desperation, but, uh, you know, we had to push the game a lot there at the end. And, uh, yeah, eventually we, we broke or we cracked the code. This is why we talk a lot 
and it, and it doesn't really matter what the sport is, Jamie. This is why we talk about fit. Do you have an identity? Can you acquire players that fit your identity? And I love what Bradley Carnell said that he was on the opening drive. I love what he said about it's not just we're we're going out to get name players. I mean, if you could get a lot of musty, I mean that'd be pretty nice. I don't know, Anthony. I don't know if he's a fit. I think he's a fit for any system. Like some <laughs> players just transcend any system you're you're running. But I, I love what he talked about. Well, we're not just going to go out and get you know namesake players. We're gonna get we're gonna get guys that fit our profile or or they profile to fit our system. And that that is what that's what city does. So when you lose a player or you lose multiple players or you have to make adjustments, you have guys that fit exactly with the role they're going to be asked to play. Well, you have to have a squad that can be put together that can consistently play your system. And sometimes bringing in a big name, it seems like, yeah, we got our guy. Mm-hmm. Look at this guy. Look at this. Look at the goals he scored. Game changer. Sometimes that guy doesn't want to play the same system. Mm-hmm. And so it ends up being the salmon swimming upstream. And it's just, it's a losing battle all season long because you've got, you know, 10 guys on the field that are playing it one way and you got another guy who's playing it a different way. It doesn't work. Yeah. And so I think what Lutz and Bradley Carnell have done, Lutz especially, because Bradley gives him credit, is finding the right pieces for what Bradley Carnell is trying to accomplish mm-hmm. with these guys. And last night was another example of finding the right pieces. They get two guys that come into their lineup. They both score. Uh, fantastic, you know, for for those two guys and obviously for the team. But this was a game where, you know, City SC turned it on. And they really took it to Dallas. It's 65% of the possession time, which, you know, we've talked about this before, is really not common. They're usually a counterattack team, not a possess the ball the whole game team. Right. And you know, Roman Berkey, usually they struggle in that regard. They do, yeah. yeah. And Roman Berkey not called upon a lot in this game, but there was a save that he made with like five or six minutes left. That was, I mean, awesome. He this made, guy just seems to step up in the biggest time. He made one twenty-five minutes into the game too that could have easily led to a goal, and you're down one nothing, and you're you're coming off the loss. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a it was a I don't know if it's a misplay or a turnover technically, but it. Regardless, there was a player that got behind the defense, and all of a sudden Berkey comes up, and he's going to make a huge save early on, and he does. And this was even after Alm pushed pushed the the, the play early on there, and their their keeper got the red card early. You know that, that play was made by Alm. He yeah, was dirty he was keeper. aggressive. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> poor guy. He's like, I got to come up now. This defense. I don't know what you're doing. So yeah. miscommunication. And anyways, you're right though. Berkey Berkey has to make a, a save early, make a save late. This guy's been incredible. So again, let's go back to the construction of the roster for that point, okay? Is Lutz built from the goalie out, the keeper out. He knew that his star player, star, was going to have to be the goaltender. Yeah. And when Roman Berkey was there, he paid him like a top player, and they built out from that spot. And one of the goals last night, which I was talking to Marshy about, is the Klausdale in the middle of the pitch, that ball comes. He could have easily tried to handle that ball and make a play out of it. He knew that there was Thor was right behind him. He let it go. Remind me of Mario Lemieux in the Olympics way back when, when he lets a pass go and it looks like he's going to one-time it, and he doesn't. He lets it go between his legs, and like Paul Correa smacks <laughs> it into the open net. Just like incredible 
IQ okay, for the sport. What are you going to do? You're, you're a goaltender in that. You're lined up for the shot from you know Mario Lemieux, yeah. and you're, you're immediately out of position. And it goes through. So Klaus with the big play there. And you know getting Klaus back is a bit of a game changer. And I know Taylor Twelman was on the balloon party this morning, and he said some things that were interesting. And it surrounded the fact that Zhao Klaus back in the lineup now. What can this team look like? It's really a difficult one because he's been out for so long. The injury was extremely complicated. And I think Bradley Cardinal, so far so good, is doing this right. The last thing you want to do is to rush him into high fitness, especially with the style of play that St. Louis City and Bradley Cardinal want to play. Now, in saying that, you still need Jao Klaus operating at a higher level. So at some point in the next, say, six to seven weeks, you've got to push him. You've got to push him to see where he can get. Because if you get the Jao Klaus from the first three games of the regular season that we saw this year, now it gives you a completely different look when you need to chase a game, when you need to be on the front foot. Joe Akini has stepped in fantastic. And so 10 goals from Joe Akini and a healthy Jao Klaus going into the playoffs, dear Lord. Yeah, exactly. And what Taylor said there, by again, that was on the balloon party this morning. What Taylor says that really catches my eye is that, yeah, Jao Klaus has to get his fitness level up. Because these guys, you only get the one sub. Like You can't sit there and it's not like hockey. Line change, and they change three, four guys, come back a minute later, change three, four guys. Right. No, his fitness level has to be there to be effective. And Klaus, as we know, is not blessed with the smoothest running stride out there. But it doesn't matter because he's a really good player. But the luxury you have now, as Bradley Carnell goes into the the tail end of the season, of having a guy like Giacchini who was forced into that situation because of the injury of Klaus, now you can hold back and you can gradually increase the minutes of time for Klaus because you have other guys that can contribute. This is a great luxury to have. And again, it goes back to roster construction, knowing what you need to do and knowing who the guys are you have that can fill the holes when there's injuries. No doubt. All right, so City SC gets a big win last night against Dallas, 2-1 victory. They get back on track following the loss to Orlando, and their next game now lines up uh, for KC, Sporting KC, 730. Screw those guys. On September second, so they're gonna have to turn around. Yeah, yeah absolutely. They're Screw those to... guys, Anthony. I'm, no, I'm with you. Yeah. No, I don't like. I don't. I don't even want you to say that without saying "screw those guys." Yeah, screw those guys. Thank you. Yeah, screw those guys. Thank you, Andrew. There you go. I thought no, I'd chime in. We're, no, we're, you should. We're, I want to get in on the party. To that, yeah. When it comes to KC, it's screw those guys. Hundred percent. One hundred percent. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's on Saturday. So quick turnaround. Screw those guys. Okay. Uh, Colton Pareko. We had Jeremy Rutherford on yesterday, and he gave us a uh, heads up that he's got an article coming out at The Athletic about Colton Pareko. And Colton Pareko, one of the things that JR said at the end of his interview was that Colton Pareko was going to address how the fans feel about him. So we'll tell you, if you didn't read it, we'll tell you what Colton Pareko said and why this is such a huge season for the young defenseman next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I think when we looked at that Blues defense last year, yeah, Pareko was in the middle of that uh, in terms of what is going on back there. 
Uh, but I think we saw that from several of the Blues defensemen. They just weren't in lockstep and, uh, you know, with the forwards as well. But I think, uh, you know, in talking to Colton, that's one thing that he's really focused on. So, you know, we're at that point on the calendar where we can talk about it, but until we see it in the preseason and then, of course, into the regular season, you know, that's when we'll be able to see if there's any change that's been really made. That was our Blues insider, Jeremy Rutherford, who joined us yesterday in the fast lane, and he gave us the heads up that he had a piece coming out on Colton Pareko. Monster piece. Absolutely. And some of the things that Colton Pareko and JR discussed was, all right, well, all right, what do you need to improve on? And JR also noted at the end of our uh, interview with him that Colton Pareko addressed some of the fan reaction. But, Jamie, you read you read the piece. What was your biggest takeaway? My biggest takeaway is a couple things. One, Colton Pareko wants to be a St. Louis Blue. I think this is a guy that wants to retire wearing the blue note. Uh, and look, I think there's value in that. Too many times there's there's players that want to leave, go on to bigger, better things. They want to make a ton of money. And I'm not saying he doesn't want to do that. I'm not saying he isn't currently making a ton of money because he is. But for me, there's value in a guy that wants to wear the logo for his entire career. Yeah. And another piece that I picked up on is, you know, his expected goals while on the ice and all this stuff is basically how much offense he can drive too. People don't realize that he started in the defensive zone more than any other defenseman on the team. So all that means is that he gets a crap sandwich. Every time he touches the ice, he's starting in the defensive zone. Yeah. So in order for offense to happen, obviously, you got to go all the way down the ice to score. Other top defensemen in the NHL, Kale McCarr, Eric Carlson, Drew Doughty, they get a ton of offensive zone faceoffs. So that's a big advantage. It's it's tilted towards expected goals at that point because you're starting in the offensive zone. And usually you're on the ice with a line that can produce goals mm-hmm. because you've got the faceoff in the offensive zone. Now when you're playing a role like Colton Pareko to where he's starting in the defensive zone, you're usually on the ice with more defensive-minded players because it's a big faceoff, and if you lose the draw, you have to contain, while the other team usually puts on their best players at that point. So it's a double crap sandwich. One, you're starting in the defensive zone, a triple. This is a triple. This is a crap sandwich hat trick, Anthony. Wow. Let me break it down for you. What a crap. One, it is. One, you're starting in the defensive zone. There's first bite. Two, you're playing against the other team's usually top first line or second line guys who can score. That's bite number two. Bite number three is you're also most of the time on the ice with guys who are not expected to create a ton of offense. They're expected to shut down the other team. Mm-hmm. That's a really tough job to do. The shutdown defenseman is thankless because when you're at your best, nobody notices. All they notice is that the other team didn't score a lot of goals. They don't notice. Yeah. But when you're at your worst, they notice because the other team's scoring goals. Mm-hmm. So it's a thankless job to be in this position that Colton Bray goes in. Okay, that, that's fascinating, though. But the, the flip side here is that I Craig, know you don't care. Just what? play, right? No, no, no. Oh, sorry. I th- no, I, th- I think about I think about an offensive tackle left left on an island against the the top pass rusher. Yeah, it, it's not on the other side. It, it's not like on the other side where they're gonna use a tight end to also chip, and it's like, hey, I didn't give up any sacks today. Yeah, you had two guys. I was alone on an island, and I didn't allow any sacks. Or I had a really good game, except for the one time my quarterback got nailed, and everybody remembers that. Boy, yeah. he boy that that old tackle played like crap. But the the flip side here is that Craig Berube also puts in, puts him in that 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 position because he trusts him to be in that position. Well, we've talked about before, and I'm sure people are sick of hearing me say it, but talking to Connor McDavid, 
Connor McDavid said that Colton Pareko is one of the most difficult guys in the NHL to play against. Not because he's physical, we know that's not there, but because he can skate, he can read the play, he angles very well, and he's got a long reach. Makes it very difficult for all players, including the best in the world, to create offense. That Mm -hmm. doesn't mean he won't create offense, but again, that goes back to part of the crap sandwich. So the nights that Colton Pareko shuts down Connor McDavid, you kind of hear about it. But if McDavid puts in three goals and adds two assists, boy, do you think, wow, that defense is crappy. Right. So that's the biggest takeaway I got from it was, and I knew this, but I hadn't really thought about it, is that whole scenario to where you're always starting in a defensive-minded spot on the ice. And if things don't go well for you, then it's you get the worst of all worlds. You're getting the bad stats. You're getting the bad press. You're getting the fans that are upset with you. And Colin Pareko, when asked about the fans, uh, he gave a real great answer. Yeah, he said, I plan on being here for a long time, and I just want to show that I'm going to put in the effort and be the best version of myself and help out as much as possible. Obviously, it's fun to have the fans and the city behind you. They spend a lot of money to come watch us play and win hockey games, so they have the right to say whatever they feel. This is a chance to get people excited. And I guess if we're talking individually, see me play again, and hopefully I can I can have a good season. He continued when, when talking about the fans. Uh, as far as the fans, J.R. writes and others saying Pareko is not a number one defenseman, he doesn't disagree, but he didn't know the definition. Colton Pareko, quote, everyone is going to have a different opinion. If you ask Doug Armstrong or if you ask anyone else, Pareko said, is it your guy that puts up 80 points a year? Is it your guy who can play offense and defense at the same time? Or is it your guy that's going to shut down the Edmonton Oilers, Connor McDavid and those guys every other night, every night? Or do you have a well-rounded group of guys, and instead of number ones or two, everybody has their role? So that's what he talked about when it, when he was asked about the fan reaction yeah. and the the opinions. It's a mature response. It is, yeah. They're right to they're right to their opinion. And I know Colton Pareko absolutely loves it here. He loves it. This is his home. He visits Canada, but this is home, and he wants kind of like you. Yeah, exactly. And he understands what it what it means to be a St. Louis Blues player. He understands what it means to wear a letter on his jersey. He understands the responsibility of carrying a big contract. So if you're thinking he doesn't care or that he's just clueless, you're wrong. This guy cares a lot. Quite honestly, he probably cares too much. And there are a lot of things that happened last year to where I know Colton Pareko took it upon himself or he wore it even though it wasn't his fault. Mm -hmm. When the team was not playing well, your top guys wear it, and Colton is no different. He talks about being hesitant and not jumping and closing out plays as fast as he should have and being worried about other guys doing their jobs, not not in a malicious way. Just whenever, when, when the group is not playing to their maximum potential, you have no choice but to be hesitant because it's not that you don't trust your teammate, but you're just not sure if they're going to make the play. yeah. And it's not just the other guy, it's yourself too. So other guys are hesitant too because maybe I'm not making the play the way I should have. And it's just this awful pattern that happens. So when you look at Colton Pareko on the ice or you, you hear him speak, just know he's very aware of what last year looked like. I know he's worked extremely hard in the offseason to improve every aspect of his game. And this is a guy that wants to play well. This is a guy that wants to represent the Blue Note and the city to the best of his ability. I'm excited to see what he does come training camp. We'll, we'll play this right now because it kind of builds off of what you just said, Jamie. This is Jay. This is Jerry yesterday. 
Jamie asked and what Pareko has been focusing on, and again, this kind of builds off of what Jamie just said. The number one thing that he saw is that he was thinking too much and just hesitating. And he said when he reflected on that after the season, watched the video, he said that there was too much uh, hesitation. And I know the Blues made some tweaks to their defensive system last year, but Colton said not enough that it would make that much of a difference. Again, he said the back wasn't an issue. He said he just wasn't making plays. He wasn't getting two pucks that he needed to get to, and he didn't have that total awareness that you have to have back in that defensive zone. So, you know, as he looked at this season, he said that he's really kind of tried to train himself to not think so much just to go out there and play on his instincts. There you go. Yeah, I can tell you this from my own experience. The best hockey I was ever able to play at the National Hockey League level was when I didn't have to think out there. It was just natural. It just came to me. The systems were working. I knew where my teammates were going to be. I knew where I was supposed to be. And you're just playing at a different level at that point. When you're sitting there thinking about what the next play is or or you're worried or you're gripping the stick, tight cheeks, whatever the, 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 the word term. is, term, yeah. mm-hmm. thank you, Anthony, is it's not going to be the same. Yeah. So Colton Pareko is not alone on an island with this here. He's got a lot of other guys on that decor that have to be looking at the season coming up as one to improve upon. He's got Krug, he's got Letty, he's got Falk, he's got Scandella, Bortuzzo, all the main characters last year that didn't get the job done enough, they all should be looking at it the same way as Colton Pareko. That's Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalzer. It's a fast lane on 101 at ESPN. Would you kick the tires on a player you already know? Because Cardinals going to have some options to maybe bring back some players, but should they have interest? We'll get into that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. So Harrison Bader was claimed by the Reds, but he will be an unrestricted free agent this offseason. Would you guys have interest in bringing Harrison Bader back? Okay, so this this intrigued me very much when Marshy and I were talking about it briefly in the office. Um, so l- let's do this game, okay? Let, let's who are who do you think the outfielders are? for next year for the Cardinals, first and foremost. Lars Newtbar, Jordan okay. Walker. Newt, Walker. I'm writing these down because, you know, I've got head trauma. And uh, possibly Tommy Edmond. Well, so Newt, Edmund. It ain't possibly. It's going to be Tommy Edmond. Okay, take it easy there, champ. No, but Katie Wu had an article today to where she talks about how Tommy Edmond is part of this core moving forward. There you so, go. Done deal. One, I want to get into that with you later as well, maybe even in this segment. Your thoughts on that because you have really pushed to the fact of trading a Tommy Edmond. Mm-hmm. So we'll get into that in a second. So Newt Walker, Edmond. Now, who are your outsiders looking in? As far as like guys, you're like, yeah, fourth outfielder. Carlson. Okay, Carlson. Who else? Carlson's my fourth. I'm so, moving on. I, if it were me, if you're asking my my opinion, I'm moving on from Tyler O'Neill. Yeah, me too. So I don't even have him on my list. What about Palacios? I'd be interested in him, in him as a fifth outfielder. Okay, because I, I've been really impressed with him mm-hmm. since uh, him 
bursting onto the scene here. He does everything the team asks him to do, mm-hmm. and he's good at it. He plays center field. Play well, you know he can play left field. He had a couple of real big plays in left field for the Cardinals. Yeah, he lay down the bunt. Like he really has been better than I think anybody thought he would be. Yeah, I agree. So, if we are entertain Harrison Bader at this point, here's where I go with it: is is Bader that much better than Edmund in, in center field? Defensively, yes. You think he's that much better? I think Bader is one of the best defensive center fielders okay. in the game. Okay. He's got to stay healthy, which is a huge factor, but mm-hmm. yes. So let's play this. Let's expand this game. Mm-hmm. Defensively, let's rank these guys. So where would Harrison Bader rank for you amongst Newt, Walker, Edmund, Carlson, and Palacios? Number one. Okay. That's what I thought. I just, for the purpose of the exercise. Sure. Don't know. forget Burleson, too. Yeah. I he's am. probably number two on the list. Yeah, probably not. Uh, great guy. Good You'd love to see him play. Good bench bat. Okay. Let's mm-hmm. just leave it at yeah. that. All right. Second on that list defensively. Newt. Newt. I had a Tommy Edmund. Yeah, I think it's close, but yes. All right, third. Edmund. Tommy Edmund. That's what I thought. We're going to get there eventually. Fourth. Carlson. I would agree with that. If if healthy. That's why I'm putting a little star next to him because sure. he can't seem to stay healthy. That's fair. And then last but not least. Jordan Walker. Well, we have Palacios here too. We forgot about him. I think he's better. Oh, because we added, uh, we added, we added, yeah, Bader, yeah. So where would Palacios go on this list for you? Um, we can move pieces. I around. mean, small, small like sample, small no sample size. Right. I think, yeah, I think he's from what I've seen. Not that I'm a scout, but I think he's as good as as Carlson. Yeah, I would agree. So if you could play center field, you're a pretty good defender. So he can play everything. Yeah. Let's just put him as a tie for fourth with Carlson. Sure. And then fifth, obviously, Walker. And he's got room to grow, and he needs to. All right, now, offensively, since we're going to keep this game rolling. Offensively, let's rank them now, one through f- six. Who's your best offensive player out of that group? Newt. Newt. Okay, so you know what that tells me? Newt's a for sure. He's second on the in defense, first in the offense. Newt, congratulations, you're in my starting outfield. Who's second offensively for you? Carlson. Carlson. I'm sorry, Walker. I was writing. So I was like, writing what? Carlson, so I didn't forget anybody, and I said Walker. I'll take what you're having. Yeah, yeah. I'll take two. Okay, I'll so say, uh, Walker. so Walker. Now he's last defensively, second offensively. Yeah, is he an automatic for your starting outfield next year, trying to win the division? Not this year, just getting him some experience. Yes. Okay, so you've got him as. A guaranteed right fielder. Can't see mm. him anywhere else at this point. Right? Uh, or left. Eh. Eh. Well, you got Newt then. I got Newt and left. I got Newt and right. And Walker's, Walker's arm. He's got a cannon though in right field, Anthony. And Newt's got one too. Yeah. I don't know if it's as good. If Walker was going to play left field, wouldn't he be playing right now though? Wouldn't this be the best opportunity to put him in left field? That's a good observation. Sure, but you don't have Newt. You got to give the kid credit. But even when Newt was playing, he was still in right field, which I I think is a mistake. I would rather have Mm -hmm. my stronger defender in right field. Mm -hmm. Okay, fine. Tomato, tomato. At this point, all right. Your third best offensive outfielder of that group, Edmund. Edmund. Okay, so here's where I go with this. Then 
you don't need Harrison Bader. You don't. Because Harrison Bader is going to have to be an everyday player for you at this point in his career. He's going to want to be, especially if he's unrestricted. He's mm-hmm. not going to sign on with the Cardinals to be fighting for a spot. Mm-hmm. And if you've got Newt and Edmund and you've got Palacios and Carlson, you have enough guys that can play center field. Can they play it like Harrison Bader? No. But they bring the bat. Harrison Bader's on waivers for a reason, guys. Mm-hmm. Offensively, it has not been pretty. And we've seen it not pretty for Harrison yeah. Bader. We've seen it. We've seen it exciting and we've seen it it's like both extremes 100%. and so do the Yankees the Yankees had him hitting cleanup at one point so this is why I don't have Harrison Bader as a person of interest in my outfield yeah because we also forgot about a guy Brendan Donovan mm-hmm. I don't know what he is moving forward he's a super utility player um but I don't know where he fits ultimately on a regular basis but you'd like to have this guy as a regular guy, because the amount of times, the way he gets on base. Absolutely. So, but where does he fit in, too? So, if we're going to put Donovan in there, then Harrison Bader, for the price tag that's come along with it, yeah. I'd rather take that extra little bit of cash and say, we'll add a couple million dollars onto a starting pitcher to outbid the Mets for him or mm-hmm. whatever. So, I'm with you. I've got Newt, Walker, Edmund as our fourth outfielder, Anthony. Who would Who would you be going with? It's come. It comes for, down to Carlson or Palacios or Donovan. Yeah, I, I didn't. I'm not including Donovan. I guess in this in this. Little, I didn't either for the purpose mix. of the fact that he's injured, and yeah. I don't know when he'll be back. Yeah, and I'm sure he'll be back for spring training. But this is this is why you know if this somebody is the problem. Yeah, if somebody heard you just say what what I've been saying is like, I'd be interested in trading Edmund. You might be flabbergasted by that. It's not about Edmund. It's about trading a, a big leaguer that's going to have some value elsewhere to get to get some pitching, to get some big league pitching, and to free you up for the exact roster matrix that you just went through this year. I, I listened to T Bone and and Alex Ferrario today uh, on the Beacon Ferrario show, and they they were they were reacting off of our Braves segment from yesterday, and I was they played the audio of me saying. The Braves are light years ahead of the Cardinals in terms of roster construction. Cardinals not in the same hemisphere. And and those guys, I respect their opinion, they were talking about how, well, you kind of have your set guys for the Cardinals. If you're the Cardinals, you have your set guys. No, you don't. You're still mixing and matching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you absolutely don't have your guys. Donovan and Edmund create kind of a good problem to have, but it's still a problem. And Walker, not... You know, not not being a a, a a great outfielder at this point, or even above average outfielder at this point, he creates an issue too. So you're constantly mixing and matching. You're still playing the matchups for next year. The Braves, the Braves. Let me tell you the, the other thing about the Braves. We talk about the the offense, the lineup. You go to everybody's going to play one through nine. They, these guys know where they're going to be. They also know where they're going to be defensively. They play the same positions, and there's something to that to me. You know, Edmund, can he play center field? Absolutely. Can Donovan play left? Absolutely. Can he play second? Can Edmund play second or short? Yeah. But at some point, why wouldn't you free up some of this congestion to get something that you don't have, which is pitching, if if you can do so? That is why I bring up Edmund when it comes to trade value. I don't disagree with you, but um, our, our good friend Katie Wu, again, put in her article in The Athletic that... He's a core piece moving forward. I, now, that's I just her opinion. Why. It's her opinion. It's yeah. not like John Mosellock is out talking about it or Ollie Marmel, mm-hmm. but she's pretty dialed in. 
and she's around the team, has a pulse Absolutely. on the way things are going, does a great job. So if Tommy Edmonds part of the core moving forward, then you have to get that idea out of your head. Mm-hmm. Tommy Edmonds not going anywhere. He's not. You're not acquiring pitching using Tommy Edmonds. Sure. So then how? who do you get rid of, though? Because you still have an overflow here. Right. Carlson's still under team control. You have Brendan Donovan, who, wherever you want to put him, I don't know what Palacios has as far as team control and things like that. And I know he's kind of on the outside looking in for mm-hmm. next year. But I also don't feel like you just turn your back and walk away from Dylan Carlson either. Because out of all of these guys, Dylan Carlson's ceiling profiles him to be in the top three guys. Well, you also have to figure out who's who's got value. Who's got trade value? You're not going to make a deal just to make a deal. Well, Newt probably has the highest value. Newt, yeah. I, I mean, mean, Jordan Walker would probably get you the most return. Sure, and this is why... But you're not getting rid of him. This is why some people continue to bring up Gorman. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade Gorman. Gorman is a power lefty. You just acquired two more... And I and this is gonna sound like I'm minimizing the impact of Edmund and Donovan. They're big leaguers. They have they're proven big leaguers. But the idea, you just acquire two more Edmund and Donovans at the yeah. deadline. Yeah, and they're they're absolutely raking in the minors right now. I'm not giving up Gorman. Did you just acquire two more Gormans at the deadline? No. And no offense to Alec Burleson, he's not Gorman. Mm-mm. I got a power lefty. That's young and under and under, under team control. I'm not giving him up at all. Okay, case closed. I'm not. I'm not even discussing it. You go with the guys that you have an abundance of. Donovan, Edmund, you two, two guys in Segacy, uh, and then the the other player that they got that apparently hits 500. That's mm-hmm. all he does. He just hits. He just hits 500. Mm-hmm. Could the inception? Is that good. It's very good. Could the inception of this outfield problem? be traced back to Wilson Contreras needing days to be the DH instead of being the full-time catcher. It doesn't help, but maybe you just turn him into the full-time catcher. I think that alleviates a lot of your problems. Make Jordan Walker your DH, he can DH, or Nolan Gorman can DH on a day, and Brendan Donovan can flip from either right field or left field or second base. And then when Tommy Edmond needs to play shortstop because Mason Wynn needs a day off, then you, f- you fit those other guys back sure. in there. And you have four outfielders. You put Palacios in AAA. He can be the guy that you call up. You have you a bench bat in, in Burleson. The problem is, I know we left him off the list, but Tyler O'Neill. What the hell are they going to do with him? Tra- that he's, You're going to have to he's trade him for parts. He's as good as traded, in my opinion. you got to trade him for parts. And what do you do with Dylan, not give Dylan Carlson? He's your fourth outfielder. He's your fourth outfielder. You make him earn it. Mm-hmm. Stay healthy, make him earn it. Yep. But... You almost have to. Again, I'm not. Th- this is to. I mean, again, you, everybody was like, "What? Why would you? Why would you trade this guy?" This is why I would have entertained going to Paul Goldschmidt and saying, "Hey, do you want to play for a contender? You got one more year left. Wow. You could put Walker at first base, wow. free up one of those spots." But I mean, the front I don't office. Know what Goldie ever did to you? But the front office. My goodness. Yeah, I'm. I'm it must have been horrible. I'm looking for trade value. Goldie would have got you something. Oh, yeah, he would have. But uh, he, he has a no-trade clause, too. So You're fired. Okay. <laughs> the The front office has got more on their plates than just pitching. They've got a roster construction issue as well. It's Fastlane on 101 ESPN. We're going to play hot take or hot garbage. So throw something out there. We'll discuss whether or not it's a hot take 
if you got one, or it's just pure hot garbage. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's a fast lane. I'm on 101 ESPN. Marsh, you you had this. Uh, this was kind of an inspired. This this was inspired. This idea was by a texter from last week. So why don't you set up our game here? Yeah. So we have uh, some text line. Uh, the text line is uh, sending us some hot takes. We will discuss. Maybe we'll agree with it or. We'll say, hey, yeah, that's a hot take. Maybe we agree, maybe we don't. And, and if it's just hot garbage, we're, we're going to tell you straight up because no one's safe here in the fast lane. That's no. true. Yeah. So Not even us. No. Dem- we're never we're safe. Def- us. Definitely us. Definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the 636, though, Jalen Waddle will have a more productive year than Tyreek Hill. More yards, more touchdowns. Ooh. I, I don't think that's – I think that's a hot take. I don't that's think that's hot, I don't think that's hot garbage. I, I wouldn't bet on it, but Jalen Waddle's going to get – I mean, you think about it. I've talked about this before, Jamie. Defensive coordinators. You're a DC. You're game planning all week. Who are you circling? Who's the guy that cannot beat us on the Miami Dolphins? It's Tyreek Hill. Yeah. You can't let him. So you're going to shade coverage that way. Maybe you bracket him. Maybe you bracket him with a corner and a safety. Hell, maybe you put just a you know, got a you got a triangle on him. I mean, it is corner Linebacker underneath, safety over top, Jamie. Bermuda triangle. The old Bermuda triangle. This guy cannot beat us. Well, what does that leave on the other side? You got Jake. You got Jalen Waddle. Maybe he sees a lot of single coverage. Jalen Waddle had a really nice season last year. I think that's a hot take, not hot garbage. Yeah, I would agree. And when Tua looks up and he starts to scan his options, his checkdowns, and he sees Tyreek double down or triple down, he's going to look right away for who's my other sure thing. Yeah. Where's he at? And that's going to be Waddle. I think that when you look at that's a that's a good that was a a great thought about Tua. So when Mike McDaniel designs plays, he may design a lot of plays for for Tyreek Hill, design ways to get him open, mm-hmm. get the ball in his hands. But when it's a drop back passing game and Tua's going through his progressions, I wonder if Jalen Waddle gets a lot more looks than than Tyreek in those situations. Yeah, I'm with you. Hot take. Hot take. From the 314 hot take, I have more confidence and optimism in uh, Palacios than Dylan Carlson to think we could have had Soto for Dylan Carlson. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) And everybody else on the roster, for that matter. You would have had to part with Gorman, Walker, Carlson. Right, I I think they asked for everybody, Yeah, including, like, Moe's house at the same time. Yep. Um, All right, so what's the hot take here, Carlson? Palacios, he's got who this texter's got more confidence in Palacios than than uh, Carlson. Well, to me, I think this is hot garbage, and I'm just going to say, as much as I've praised Palacios for how he's played here, I, we've barely seen him. Mm-hmm. There's a reason that he wasn't in the majors when you acquired him. Right. There's a reason he hasn't been a regular on in Cleveland. I believe is where he was at yeah. before. Dylan Carlson, it hasn't been pretty all the time, but. The upside to this young man is still there. He's still a young guy. He's got a high ceiling. 
His problem is injuries. Injuries and consistency. Couple things. One, I think he should abandon batting left-handed. Agreed. Four miles an hour slower than his right-handed swing. I'd rather take my chances with the right-handed swing, coming at it with hot, with hard velocity, than just not being able to compete at all. Yeah. Uh, so if I'm the Cardinals, I'm like, listen, stay healthy, get rid of the left-handed bat, and let's see what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Because he does have a lot of ability. He's a good defensive player. Uh, he's got good speed in the outfield. He's got good speed on the bases. And he's got upside. So I, I'd say that's hot garbage. Yeah. It, since these are the only two options, I'm going to go with hot garbage. It's a little a little strong, but I'm going to go with hot garbage Anthony, too. It's the game. Yeah, the that's player, you don't. That's what I'm saying. Hot garbage. I'm with Jamie on this one. Dylan Carlson may may not work out. He can't stay healthy. He can't hit right-handed pitching. I mean, he's he's got to make some big time leaps and leaps and jumps here uh in his developments over the over the winter but i would still have more optimism of taking in his upside than palacios from the 217 hot take doug armstrong's moves at the deadline are going to look insanely smart this season hot take i think it's a hot take i think he worked i think he worked the trade deadline masterfully masterfully last year i think his offseason moves based Considering the cap space that he he was he had, which wasn't much, and I know that you know he signed a bunch of it, it it's his cap space problem. But yeah, b- given what he the the room that he had, I, I think he he operated the offseason great. I I didn't I would have never expected he got Kevin Hayes for him to get Kevin Hayes this offseason half price too at half price. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. That's a hot take, and the better way to look at it is. Army sold. He was a seller. Yeah. But he wasn't really. He wasn't only that. Because he bought, too. Mm-hmm. He bought really low. Kapanen, Verana, a couple of reclamation projects. Quite honestly, it's what I thought the Cardinals might do at the trade deadline, is sell off the pieces like they did, yeah. but also bring in some help in a guy that had maybe a year left on his deal. Or I was thinking the same you thing, know, Jamie. Because like, yep. we talked about you don't necessarily have to just be a seller. You can be a purchaser, too. You can buy a couple of smaller items. Mm -hmm. Maybe that helps you. So I think that really helped the Blues, and I think it's going to springboard them a little bit here coming into this season because you've got a couple of guys that are already part of your team, part of your system. You know what they are. You know where they should fit. And then, of course, the addition of Kevin Hayes in the offseason as well and bringing back Oscar Sundquist, a familiar face that you know exactly what you're getting every time he touches the ice. So, yeah, for me, it's hot take. From the 636, hot, sexy take. Oh, hello. Jared Goff again finishes the season as the best QB in the NFC North. Was he the best last year? He was pretty damn close to Kirk Cousins. He's way ahead of him. I guess what what so what metric? <laughs> what metric so are we using? I have the point score. This was the stats from last season. Kirk Cousins had uh, four thousand five hundred forty-seven yards. He threw for twenty-nine touchdowns and fourteen interceptions. Jared Goff threw for four thousand four hundred thirty-eight yards, had twenty-nine touchdowns, six interceptions. However, Kirk Cousins had six hundred forty-three pass attempts to Jared Goff. 587. So you could say that Jared Goff was the better quarterback last year. However, he just had what less than maybe like a hundred yards difference in terms of how many yards he threw for. He was more efficient. I'm gonna go with hot garbage wow, on that. Anthony. I think Kirk. Even Co- me. I, I was like pumping him up. I think Kirk. You did a good job, Andrew. I think Kirk Cousins is going to have a very good statistical season. 
I he's, like the way you worded that. Yeah, well, it's kind of the thing with Kirk, right? Yeah. This is this is why a lot of his supporters have have a have a solid gra- ground in which they're they're shouting their opinions on because Kirk often has a, a pretty good statistical season. You think about mm-hmm. the Vikings offense. I like Madison. He's not Dalvin Cook. But they've got big time weapon. They just they just re-upped with TJ Hawkinson. They got Jordan Addison, who they they selected in the first round this mm-hmm. year, as well as the number one wide receiver in the league in Justin Jefferson, and a defense that can't stop a nosebleed. Kirk Cousins will have to throw the ball a lot. He he's like the definition of back of the football card or whatever. You know what sure. he, you know what you're going to get every year from him. You're going to get good numbers. You're going to get some games that don't look all that great, but at the end of the year, it's going to look good top 10 quarterback in the league. I think Kirk is going to have a pretty good year statistically. Jared Goff, Jared Goff's going to have to put the ball in the air a lot too with the, with the lions. But I actually think the, the lions off the offense is kind of a, sum of its, some of its parts offense. You look at, you know, Amon Ross St. Brown is one of the best slot receivers in the game. I don't love their outside receivers. You know, Jamison Williams is there, but he's suspended. You know, local product. He's suspended. Eh, uh, bad luck. <laughs> whatever. The, the running back situation, they, they're gonna use they're gonna utilize a bunch of different guys again, including Jamar Gibbs. But really, Goff is kind of a, a facilitator in that offense. That's just, all you would need him to be, though. Absolutely. Kirk Cousins, I, I think, is gonna him. is gonna push the ball downfield yeah. more and, all, and have bigger numbers. Listen, do I think that Kirk Cousins overall is a better quarterback than Jared Goff? Probably. As far as all in, all the different aspects of being a quarterback, I think he's a better quarterback. But do I think Jared Goff will put up better numbers this year? Yes, I do. I think the Lions offense will be a better offense than the Vikings, and the benefactor of that will be a guy like Jared Goff, who's just a distributor of the ball mm-hmm. and letting things happen. Jamie's all in on the Lions. I am. It's fast, it's fast on, on 101 ESPN. Are we starting to see the Jordan Walker that was hyped up heading into the year? We'll talk about him next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I was thinking of. Swing and a drive. Oh, baby, look at that one go. Past Big Mac land. Onto the concourse. Chip Carey, and he had a little bit of BT there. Valley Sports Midwest. It's exciting. Are we starting to see the Jordan Walker that was hyped heading into the year? I wouldn't even say starting to, guys. I think Jordan Walker has been as advertised. At least offensively. He's playing out of position, so I'm not going to be harsh on him when it comes to his defense. There's a lot of players that were really good offensively that you just kind of put up with their defense when they first came into the league. Kyle Schwarber is perfect with the Cubs. We're still putting up with that. Right. But the guy's raking 30-plus dingers a year. And and in pretty clutch moments, too. Mm -hmm. So I'm willing to overlook the, the... his individual defense. But Jamie, this guy's got a 112 WRC plus. The strikeout rate, fine. Walk rate, fine. This kid has been 
for all intents and purposes, in his first big league year, this kid's been great. I think if you had a Cardinals team that was fighting for the division lead right now to win the division, you'd look at this as a massive success for Jordan Walker. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is that you turn to him now and you're you're needing him to be a difference maker. Yeah. And so when he's not able to do that offensively or there's a blunder defensively, now it's like you're hyper-focused on it. Mm -hmm. So it's a bit of a, a tough spot for the young player to be in. But that being said, this is a really good rookie season. Uh, he never, I mean, he barely played any AAA. He got sent down for just a little bit. So he jumped from AA to the majors, and he's been able to do this. So I I, I consider his first season with the Cardinals a success. Absolutely. Is it a massive success? No, but it's a success. Yeah. You look at the other the other numbers, whatever it may be, you know, he's got, he's got a, a 335 on base, which is knocking on the door of above average. He's got a 431 slug. Any any metric that you want. Now batting average I don't I don't get too concerned with, but you know, he's got a 267 batting average. So those those fans that rely more on batting average, that's that's not going to be impressive to you. But the one statistic offensively that I love is the WRC plus. It's the it's the weighted runs created. Park adjusted. How good are you at at producing runs for your team? Singles, doubles, triples, home runs, driving in runs, sack flies, everything. It's it's an all encompassing statistic. One hundred is average. So one hundred theoretically is pretty good. Like one hundred's a, a major, an average major league player. He's at one twelve. He's twelve percentage points higher than your average major league player in that one statistic offensively. At 21 years old. He's also got 12 home runs. Yeah. 12 home runs. And I've I've heard I've heard people talk about this with you know the launch angle thing. Yeah, he sent down. It looked okay uh, yesterday. Yeah, pretty good launch angle the other day. Ended up at the arch. But that was that was one thing. Say what you want. You you may have been upset. You still might be taking shots at the team for sending him down early in the year. You may be still ticked. Oh, you had to work on his launch angle, huh? He was beating the ball into the ground repeatedly. And the team was not winning. Exactly. Bad atmosphere, young player, with something clearly to work on. It's okay to, t- to say, this kid's got something to work on. It's not, it's not a, a referendum on whether or not he's going to be a big leaguer. But that is one aspect. You can't, at, at the major league level, you can't have a high ground ball rate and still be a, a, a slugger. You just can't. Now, I don't think that he needs to worry about developing the perfect launch angle and all of that, but there are things that clearly they refined and, and he continues to, to work on throughout the course of the year because he's got 13 home runs. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, do you remember a time where a ground ball got out of the yard? No. Okay. No, so it's kind of difficult, right? It, it's, it's, it's a tough one. Let's stop overlooking the fact that the Cardinals made a decision to send him down to work, to tweak something with his his approach. He, for his credit, he goes, you know what? I'm overthinking this. I'm just going to do what I do. Great. Because if this isn't right, nothing else is – and I'm pointing to my mind. YouTube saw it, but – Nobody else did. I'm point if the brain isn't isn't right, it's not going to work. But credit Jordan Walker for making some adjustments when he 
when he's felt comfortable and he's put together a very, very good year. Anthony, can I read a text message for you? Oh, boy. Yeah. So text messages comes to us to the Air Comfort Service text line. Feel free to participate at any point in the show. The number is 314-399-9646. I can tell, you, I can tell by your tone this is well, it's just critical. It's just puzzling to me how some people get to certain opinions. Okay. So it's from the 314. Now you guys are on Moe's payroll. No way Walker has lived up to his hype. He has won one game by himself. Pujols easily won five games by himself in just the first month. So how old was Albert Pujols his first season with the Cardinals? Do we know that? I can look it up. And while you do that, Anthony... Why are we comparing him to Albert Pujols? Right. Because somebody at one point loosely said, hey, you know what? His his trajectory, could his potential could be that of maybe an Albert Pujols. 21. So he's 21. So same age as Jordan Walker. Mm-hmm. Jordan Walker started the, the year at 20 years old, turning 21. Right. Are we really... Are we really comparing this kid to one of the greatest pure hitters baseball's ever seen? Context is being murdered here. Con- There's nothing left of context. That's craziness. I think that some fans, and this might be one of them, thought that we or the media or the Cardinals were saying that Jordan Walker is the next Albert Pujols. That wasn't the claim. No, it wasn't. The claim was, and it's close, but it's not the same. The claim was, this is the best positional player prospect for the Cardinals since Albert Pujols. Correct. It's a huge difference. Mm -hmm. If what Jordan Walker is doing right now at 21 years old is being compared to Albert Pujols, Jamie and I don't have anything for you. Well, and he's screwed. Yes. <laughs> He's screwed. We already know what Albert has accomplished in his career. We're talking about one of the best pure hitters of his generation. One of the best pure hitters in baseball <laughs> I history. I was going to say, I mean, look in at baseball last history. Year, he did it at freaking 40 years old last year. There's a reason why the Angels backed up the Brinks truck, truck for, for Albert Pujols. If we're going to compare anybody to Albert Pujols, that player, to Jamie's point, is screwed. We had another good text, and, and some of our textures are very well thought out from the 573. said, hey, look, if Jordan Walker ends up being Matt Holiday over his career, Great. Mo wins. Absolutely. That's an excellent take. And I think that's actually a more reasonable comparable. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I'm always firmly against people comparing young players to absolute legends of the entire game. Not, not just fair. the Cardinals. Yeah. Legends of the game. It's not fair to that kid. At all. Come on, man. Yeah, and from a and by the way, we didn't. Even, we talked about a lot of the a lot of the statistics, Jamie. How about this kid from a maturity standpoint? Oh yeah, he's a leader already. At twenty one years old, I didn't know you, but I can, I can imagine a twenty one year old Jamie Rivers because I've seen the forty something year old Jamie Rivers. Hey, I don't know how to take that. What are you laughing at? At twenty one years old, I can tell you. I did not have the maturity or anywhere close to what Jordan Walker has at 21. And he's in the big leagues. No, I didn't. Had I had that maturity, things would have went a little bit differently for me, Anthony. I'm very That's a open. fair point. I'm open yeah. to the listeners and it's anybody who'd like to talk about it. If I had Jordan Walker's maturity, the path of my career would look 
much different than it ended up. All right, there you go. Didn't find that till I was in my 30s. There you go. And and that's and honestly, but like growing as a human, I I'm I'm learning more now about myself at 41 than I did at 21 mm-hmm. or at 31. So, so it takes longer for some for some guys, Jamie. Not Jordan Walker. And good uh, for him. It is good for yeah. him. All right, it's fast on 101 ESPN. Yesterday we did some NFL contender or pretender, and we did the Super Bowl contender or pretender. What if we talked about uh, conference champions? Or not conference champions, just conference contender or pretenders. We'll talk about that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Not just at the top of their game, they're on top of your game. Their game, every game. This is the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. To NFL Contender or Pretender Championship Sunday edition. We did the Super Bowl yesterday, Championship Sunday today. We're going to give out some tickets. Fast Lane, that's us. We have your chance to win a pair of tickets for the St. Louis Blues night at the Cardinals game on Friday, September 15th. Fans will receive a Cardinals and Blues inspired quarter zip windbreaker courtesy of Bally Sports Midwest. You can get all the ticket info for St. Louis Blues night at the Cardinals game at cardinals.com slash theme. Here's your question today. Trivia question, Tommy Eden. A couple of walk-off Wins there for the Cardinals, in which he he supplied the, the game-winning hit. Where did he play college ball? Where did he go to college? This one should be pretty easy. Jamie and Marsh got it immediately. So mm-hmm. where did he play his college ball at? If you have the correct answer, you can text in. And if you're the 101st texter to the Air Comfort Service text line at 314-399-9646, you're going to go see Cardinals on September 15th for the St. Louis Blues night. All right, boys, championship Sunday. Contender or pretender? The New York Football Jets. Contender mm. or pretender? I I can't um, I can't flip flop on this one. I I have not been behind this team. I don't know. I personally don't know what all the hype is about, apart from Aaron Rodgers. I'm going pretender with the Jets. I I just don't see it. And if I'm wrong, I'll eat my words. Don't uh, trust me. I'll own it. I just don't see it. I say pretender. Marsh. Pretender. They're too young, in my opinion, although I do like their youth. I don't think they're there just yet, and they have offensive line problems. I do think they make the playoffs. However, I do not see them making it to the AFC title game. I uh, make it a perfect three three for three here. Pretender. To me, you're not going to win multiple playoff games with a bad offensive line. Has Has it been done before? Yes. It's very rare. Some teams get to the Super Bowl, like the Bengals. Yeah, with that <laughs> offensive line. You're right. You're right. And you think about what it took, Evan McPherson hitting the long field goal mm-hmm. and the Titans imploding. Joe Burrow for, somehow staying alive. Yeah, for Cincinnati to do so. The, the Bengals, and, and again, taking nothing away from the Bengals, but they had a lot that had to go right for them. I don't think that this Jets team, behind a bad offensive line. I mean, this is Aaron, Aaron Rodgers going from a pretty good O-line to a bad O-line, and I don't feel, outside of us, like a lot of people are talking about it. So I got I got the Jets being a pretender as well. Jamie, might as well go first. Go for it. Lions, contender, pretender, at NFC Championship. 
Yeah, I, I so think, just a game. Like, yeah, are they? Can, can basically what we're asking is, can they win multiple playoff games and get to a title game? Yeah. So here's where the Lions benefit from the conference that they're in, because if they're in the AFC, I'd say pretender. I just don't see a path for them through that gauntlet of teams in the AFC. It's fair. When I look at the NFC, there's a path for them there. There is, and so I'm going to say contender. If the Lions are what we think they could be and the NFC is as bad as we think it might be, then they have a shot. So I'm going to say contender. I'm saying pretender. Not yet. They're a playoff team for sure, sort of like the Jets. Uh, I think it's a year too early for them. A A lot of hype around what they did last year. They finished the year off really good. However, I don't see them making it to the NFC championship game. Quite frankly, if I'm being realistic, and I hate to say it, I don't know if any NFC North team has a ch- really a great chance at making the NFC Championship game. Pretender. I like the offense. I don't like the defense. The secondary should be improved, but how improved? We'll find out. I and mean, this is a defense that gave up more points than anybody last year. I don't. I don't see them going from. You know, one of the worst defenses in the league to even average and having the Lions get get deep into a game. You're going to have to win with... When you get to the playoffs, you better have a good defense. And the Lions don't. I don't think they make the, the, the biggest jump in terms of improvement to get there. So in terms of an NFC title appearance, I got the Lions as a pretender. What about the Chargers? Um, woof. I, I just don't see it happening. I think Justin Herbert is obviously one of the greatest young quarterbacks in the league right now i just don't have confidence in that team overall and the head coach and and again i'm i'm leaning towards the conference that they're in too never mind the conference just the division oh your factor yeah you got to factor it all in it's going to be a tough go for them playoff team like marshy's been saying yes contender no pretender marsh pretender they don't have the coaching in my opinion to win a playoff game they've proven that Time and time again over the past few seasons that their head coach sort of, I mean, he, he when it when it really counts, he, it, he shows that he kind of doesn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And so I can't, I don't care how good Justin Herbert is. He's been good the past two seasons, right? If you take what Justin Herbert did and, and implement that same style of play and the way that the production that he had from the past two years, I, I don't think they're a, an AFC championship team. I mean, they, they have to go through teams like the Chiefs, the Bengals, the Bills. There's just too many teams in that that conference. I, I don't see him making it. Pretender. Same. I, I love Justin Herbert. I, he's one of my favorite quarterbacks in the NFL. I love the way that he processes information quickly. And he the, the Chargers won more games over the last two years than they probably should have because of Justin Herbert. Brandon Staley, while he has come, come up with some pretty good defensive game plans at times, it's two and two. It's uh, few and far between. And Brandon Staley in a big moment in a playoff game. I just don't see it happening at all. And last year they also they needed to have a lot, a lot more physicality to the running game, and that was one of the reasons why they lost to the Jaguars and, and blew that big league lead in Jacksonville. I don't know if that's changed either. I like the talent, one of the most, most talented rosters in the NFL, but to get to a title game, I think you're gonna have to have a a better coaching staff than what the Chargers do. All right, two more. Dolphins. Um, woof. Man, that conference, I just don't know if there's any gimmies. And I know that I, I keep defaulting back to to that, but 
When you look at the Dolphins, are they even going to win their division? Let alone be a contender in the conference. You got the Bills, you got the Jets, and I'm not talking out of both sides of my mouth on this one here. I know the Jets, I, I said that the, I don't believe in them, but I, probably good enough to push for a playoff spot. And the Patriots, listening to a lot of people talk about the Patriots, it looks like they're going to take a little bit of a different path this year. Uh, one, they have an elite defense. So Bill Belichick has got his elite defense back. And it looks like they're going to be doing a lot of old school football. They're going to be handing off the ball an awful lot. Mm-hmm. And they could be problematic in that division. And then you've got the, the Ravens. The, I'm going to say pretender for the Dolphins. I just don't see it happening. Pretender. Good team, fast team. Team is terrible in cold weather, and that's exactly when you're playing these playoff games. Yeah. And I'm sure you, being in that division, in that conference, I cannot see them being a one a one seed or a two seed and having the uh, home field advantage. So they're going to be on the road taking on a team like Kansas City, Buffalo, maybe Cincinnati. All cold weather during that time of the year. No, they're not. They're not making it. I I want to believe that. I I thought I thought heavily in the in the Dolphins being a contender. I love their defense. I think they're you know if Tua stays healthy, they, the offense can go. As we know, Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle and those guys are game changers. The offensive line is not; it's barely better than the Jets. So I can't I can't crush the Jets, who have an excellent defense and a sound running game and all that, and a, and a, and a better quarterback. I can't say they're a pretender because the O line, and then say the Dolphins are. So I think the Dolphins' offensive line hurts them as well. Jaguars, I don't think they're quite there yet. I, I think they're a fun team. But I think they're a pretender too for an AFC title appearance. Second that. Yeah. They're the only team that I said contender. Okay. Interesting. Contender. Uh they're promising. I like what they're building off of last year. They're in an easy division, which could give them uh home field, home field advantage. And they have a Super Bowl winning head coach. And I think that goes a long way when, sure. it, when it comes to uh going far in the playoffs. And the, and their quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. They're another team. And the AFC, I didn't, I didn't realize this until I dove a little deeper. There's another team in the AFC that doesn't have a great old line that could hold them back. So I'm gonna go pretender. All right, it's fast nine on 101 ESPN. We got a gauntlet uh, repeat. We got Ed, right? Ed is coming back. Won a epic gauntlet yesterday against me in random. So he'll take on either Marsh or Jamie next on 101 ESPN. Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Three warriors, four categories, one challenger. Can you master the gauntlet? Brought to you by Master, your hometown source for business communications for more than 30 years. Visit Mastor.com. Two, your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Jamie Rivers and Andrew Marsham, Anthony Stalter. We welcome back Ed for round two in the gauntlet. What's up, Ed? Not a lot going on. How much, man? Ed's flatlining right now. Oh, yeah, he's yeah. locked in. He's like when Mark McGuire was setting records, he said, well, actually, when I get up to the plate, my heart rate like lowered. Yeah, this That's is that same deal with right Ed. Now. Exactly. Oh, All, right. We're in All right, Ed. Marsh or Jamie today? Pour some sugar on me, because I want Jamie. Oh, oh sugar ribs. All right, Ed. You got it, buddy. Good luck, man. 
Thank you. You as well. Thank you. All right, so Jamie's going to make his way into the cone of silence. I know, Ed, when you picked me yesterday, you said, uh, I'm not great at hockey, so I'm assuming anything but hockey today, right? Yeah, that, yeah, sounds about right. All right, Jamie if Jamie hasn't gotten hockey a lot. He's gotten a lot of football. He's gotten some baseball, but he hasn't seen a lot of hockey. So hopefully hopefully the wheel doesn't uh, doesn't do you, do you dirty here, Ed. Go ahead and tell Marsh to spin the wheel. Spin that wheel, Marsh. All right, let's see what Ed gets today as he takes on the one and only Jamie Rivers. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's hockey, man. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. This is fun. Ah. All right. Damn you, Wheel. Okay. <laughs> Marsh is getting the launch codes right now. Four questions, all hockey. To our guy, Ed, same four questions. To Jamie, each question is worth two points. Unless Ed or Jamie ask for the options. They ask for the options. Those questions are worth one point. Ed, are you ready? Let's get it on. Question number one. The last time the Blues missed the playoffs before last season, who led the team in points with 70? Again, the last time the Blues missed the playoffs before last season, so last season doesn't count, who led the team in points with 70? Can I get the options, please? I don't blame you. Braden Shen, David Backus, Vladimir Tarasenko. I'm going to go with Big Daddy Vladdy. Final answer. Question number two. In 2017, when the Blues lost to the Nashville Predators in the second round, who did the Blues beat in the first round? I'm going to say Minnesota. Final answer. Question three, Ed. The last time Yaroslav Halak started in goal for the Blues in a playoff series, which team was it against? It's the last time that Yara Halak started in goal for the Blues in a playoff series. Which team did he face? Can I have the options, please? The San Jose Sharks, the LA Kings, the Chicago Blackhawks. LA Kings, final answer. Question four. Before the 2012 postseason, who was the last team the Blues defeated in the playoffs? I'm going to need the option. Options are the Chicago Blackhawks, the San Jose Sharks, the Vancouver Canucks. San Jose Sharks, final answer. All right, well, welcome Jamie back in from the cone of silence right now. Ed, that was tough. How are you feeling? He still needs a pack of lunch. Okay, like it. I like the confidence. Thought these were uh, these were interesting. Yeah. All right, mm-hmm. Jamie is putting his headphones back in. Back. He's back was, now. I'm back. Thank now you, Andrew. Back. There you go. It's easier to hear me when my mic's on. Yeah. Uh, uh, my guy Ed. Marsh. How, how you doing, man? Ed, how are you? <laughs> it works perfectly because hockey is our is our category today. Oh wow! You got hockey. It's been a while. Ed wanted hockey, didn't he? He did. Not one oh. hockey. No, the wheel. The wheel screwed him today. Uh, no, Marsh the wheel does and, that to people. Go and tell Jamie how I did today. Jamie, pack a lunch. Okay. Jamie. All right. Question one. Yep. The last time the Blues missed the playoffs before last season, who led the team in points with seventy? Oh my God. Um. Wow. That's a blur. Uh, I'll take the options. Not even embarrassed. Braden Shen. David Backus, Vladimir Tarasenko. 
Okay. I'm trying to think if, if Shen was here at that point. Um, I know David Backus missed the playoffs a few times. Did he get to 70 points in the season? Big Daddy Vladdy. Oh, my God. Um, hmm. I'm going to go with... Oh. I feel like Vladdy's the obvious one here. But Backus had a couple of sneaky seasons, too. Or was it... Shenner? Okay, let's go over this. You know what? I think it was Braden Shen, actually. I think it was that one year where they had to go to, I believe... I forget where they had to win the game to get Colorado it was at the end of the season. They had to win the game to get into the playoffs and they didn't. That would have been more recently. I'll go Braden Shen. Final answer. Question number two in 20. I'm sorry, guys. In 2017, when the Blues lost to the Nashville Predators in the second round, who did the Blues beat in the first round? I think that was in 2017. The LA Kings. Steiner, the overtime wraparound. Hmm, 2017. Boy, oh boy, Anthony, you think you remember things sometimes, and then you don't. This is one of those times. Um, hmm. Or was it the Minnesota Wild? Okay, so 2017... When did Mike Yo take over? Yes, it was the Minnesota Wild. I remember because I interviewed Mike Yo following that game. Final answer. Question number three. The last time Yaro Halak started in goal for the Blues in a playoff series, which team was it against? Holy crap. What the hell are these questions? <laughs> Grant, Grant added some sizzle here. Yeah, what a... Mm, you're fired, Grant. Do you like that? How do you like that, Grant? He's not fired. I'm angry, though. Yaro Halak? Really? Really? He was a... Yeah, he's a great guy, Anthony. I played with him in Montreal and here with the Blues, too. He's a great guy. I really like Yaro. Do you think I remember who the hell he played his last playoff game against? Yeah. No, I don't. Options, please. Sharks, Kings, Blackhawks. Yaro freaking Halak. Um, I know they played the Sharks a lot. I know they played the Kings a couple times. And who's the other one? Blackhawks. Black hmm. Hmm. I think it's the Sharks. Final answer. Question number four. Before the 2012 postseason, who was the last team the Blues defeated in the playoffs? Oh, my God. <clears throat> 2012. Before the 2012 season. Who was the last team the Blues beat in the playoffs? Oh my goodness. Options. Chicago Blackhawks, San Jose Sharks, Vancouver Canucks. Wow. Um... Chicago Blackhawks, final answer. All right, let's go over these. That was exhausting. Ed versus uh, Jamie, who 
Wow. Jamie. You said a lot of things throughout that. I mean, you were <laughs> you were upset. I don't, I haven't seen you. Do you this know the upset. mental gymnastics I had to go through. You know, I'm I seeing hate it. Years and things. I'm seeing like it that. out of you. The last What'd time you the say? I'm seeing it oh. out of you. Yeah. You said something else. The last time the Blues missed the playoffs before last season, who led the team in points with 70? Ed, you took the options. You went with Vladimir Tarasenko. Jamie, you took the options. You went with Braden Shen. Correct answer is Braden Shen. Vladdy was second with 66 points. Jamie with a 1 0 lead over Ed. In 2017, the Blues lost to the Nashville Predators in the second round. Who did the Blues beat in the first round? Ed, you went with the Wild. Jamie, you went with the Wild. Correct answer is the Minnesota Wild. Neither of you needed the options on that. Nice job. So we've got a 3-2 lead for Jamie. The last time that Yara Halak started in goal for the Blues in a playoff series, which team did he face? Ed, you took the options. You went with the Kings. Jamie, you took the options. You went with the Sharks. Correct answer is... Anthony San Jose Man, Sharks. Not my Sharks. Uh, yeah. 2012 against the Sharks. Elliott took over due to a Halak injury, but Halak did start in net for the Sharks. Final question. Jamie up by two. Before the 2012 postseason, who was the last team the Blues defeated in the playoffs? Ed, you went with the Sharks. Jamie, you went with the Blackhawks. Correct answer is... The Chicago Blackhawks. Ed. You have chosen... Poorly. You lose. Not today. <laughs> that was the Troy Brower goal. That the year. wraparound. No, he was in front of the net. He missed the oh, first yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. He almost fell on his ass and put the second one in. No, that was no, in no, no. That was yeah, that was 2016 was against it? Blackhawks. Yeah, yeah, this is 2002. Yeah, and then they. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, I got real lucky then. Yeah, I believe that. they then went. They took on the Detroit Red Wings, and lost. Yeah. Mm. They did. Yeah. Ed, I'm sorry, man. He, Jamie got you today. 5-2. Yeah. Is what it is. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Thanks for playing. We'll see you. Have a good one. All right, that's Ed here in the fast lane on 101 ESPN. For, for all your griping, Jamie, you, you scored five there. Yeah, but mental gymnastics. I'm exhausted. Anthony, you're going to have to take over for the rest of the show now. Oh, boy. Well, I'll take tomorrow off. You know what, Anthony? Thank you. Sure. Yeah. Join 101 ESPN and Bud Light for Blues and Brews on Friday evening, September 22nd at the Anheuser-Busch Brewery. Get fired up for the Blues season at this outdoor street party featuring live music from country music stars, star Chris Lane and local blues uh, musician Marquise Knox, plus appearances by blues players and alumni. They've got food trucks, blues merch, 101 ESPN giveaways, and much much more. Tickets are now on sale. You can visit 101ESPN.com for additional event details and to purchase your tickets for Blues and Brews on September 22nd. Why didn't the Cardinals bring in Lucas Giolito? They didn't claim him on waivers. Why? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. where I'm at with Giolito and basically anybody else uh, of the same ilk, you know? I think that right now it is far more important 
for the Cardinals to go out there and evaluate what they have currently in their system than it is to evaluate somebody from outside of it. They know what Giolito is. His track record is what it is. You've got all the information. You got all the spin rates. You got this, that, and the other. And if you're trying to sell him on baseball heaven, we talked about this the other day with Blake Snell, right? I don't think that down the stretch of a team that is way out of a postseason is the way to sell baseball heaven. Brad Thompson. Earlier today in the fast lane on 101 ESPN, if you missed the first the first two segments of the show, which included BT, you can download the podcast available after the show on 101ESPN.com or your 101 ESPN mobile app brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. With Jamie Rivers, I'm Anthony Stalter. So why not pick up Lucas Giolito? We had this conversation the other day when the Angels placed Giolito and several other players, including Hunter Renfro, mm-hmm. on, the, on, on waivers. And the Cardinals who had, at the time, the fourth worst or fourth fourth or fifth worst record in baseball, they probably would have got anybody that they put a waiver claim on. Yet, Lucas Giolito goes to the Cleveland Guardians, Hunter Renfro goes to the Reds, former Cardinal Harrison Bader also to the Reds. Uh, Guardians picked up Matt Moore as well from the Angels, and I think Ronaldo Lopez, they also put the waiver claim on. So, Jamie... Why do you think the Cardinals decided ultimately that they don't want to even take a look at Giolito? So going back to BT, uh, his opinion on this, I understand that to a certain point. I mean, you do have to, if there was ever a time that you needed to figure out exactly what your young guys look like or if there was ever a time where you needed to kind of see if there's any of these guys that can actually compete for a spot, the time is now because the games, for lack of better words, don't matter. Mm-hmm. And they always matter. These guys want to win. The fans, are, you, though. Yeah. But, yeah. but from a standings point of view, it does, they don't matter. Mm. So to BT's point, he's right. But I still disagree. Um, I think you can look at your young guys right now, but also bring in a guy like Lucas Giolito to – to, to get your own scouting report on him. And this we talked about this top of the show. Bring him in. See if you like him. Yeah. See if he's got the stuff. Yeah, you've got all the analytics and all that stuff, but how what's his method of operation? Mm-hmm. What was his what would his relationship with Wilson Contreras look like? You know, is it a fit for your organization? You're getting a free audition. And that's not free because you're paying him. <laughs> right, but but essentially you, you've given up nothing. Yeah for a free audition. So it's like opening up the free agent window a week before to talk to the players mm-hmm. before you can sign them. Imagine having a month of or a month and a bit of actual baseball with this guy on your roster. Yeah. That's where I think John Mosellock and the Cardinals front office missed the boat. Mm-hmm. Is you had an opportunity to bring a guy in and not sell him on the Redbird, the Cardinal Way, the Free Zoo, anything you want to reference. But you're you're getting you're accruing information on this individual before you're ready to spend the big money. What if he comes in and he's like, eh, he's really not our type, or eh, now you're like, okay, now we know who we're not bidding on. Yeah. So now somebody else can go out there and spend the big money on Lucas Giolito, and we'll swoop in somewhere else and find another guy that we like instead. Yeah. Or what if you do like him, and now you know, okay, whatever it takes at this point within the realm of being responsible, but we know we want him. And what if he likes his time here? 
if it's a couple of million dollars a year, maybe Lucas Giolito says, yeah, I'd rather just stay unpacked here in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. So that that's my opinion on why they should have acquired yeah, him. You know, Jamie, you had brought that up in the first segment with BT, and it was it was something I hadn't really thought of because we, we when we look at a player, we say, okay, well, what what are they on the field? And BT had mentioned, you know, what Lucas Giolito is. You don't get it. You don't need to take a a deeper look at Giolito from a pitching standpoint. And he's absolutely right. You should know what Giolito is. But to your point about bring him in, bringing him in. If you do have interest in him in the offseason, and maybe the Cardinals don't, maybe this was an indication that they're not interested. They should have interest in anybody who can pitch. I would would think so, Jamie. Well said. But maybe they don't. Maybe they're like, "Ah, you know what, we've already got the scouting report on him. We are not interested in Lucas Giolito. And therefore, it makes no sense in bringing him in. But if you are interested in in talking to his reps this offseason about a free agent deal, why wouldn't you get a preview of what he's like in the clubhouse? I don't know. He could come What's in. What's his work be, ethic? He, What's he like on his off days? How does he throw his bullpen sessions? Right. How does he get along with Dusty Blake? Like, this is stuff you can't put a price tag on. I know nothing about Lucas Giolito, the person. I don't. I don't know. I don't know anything about him at all. Maybe the guy's a jerk. Maybe, but then you'd know it. But then you know. Maybe the guy's an incredible work. He has an incredible yeah. work ethic. Maybe some of the younger pitchers, the younger players, flock to this guy. I don't, I have no idea. But you had an opportunity to bring bring him in. It, at the end of the, it's not a huge deal. It, it but it's not a massive miss opportunity. But I, I do think to some degree it is a, a missed opportunity. Well, if you're even considering Lucas Giolito in the off season, if you if you how about this, if your organization in the past has ever had a discussion regarding this player, mm-hmm. this is a big missed opportunity. You had a chance to pick up a guy for nothing off waivers. The money it's going to cost for the rest of the season, which was about a million dollars, I think, or something like that. Bring him in and get him acclimated with everything here and see how it fits. Yeah. And if it doesn't, you've spent a million dollars to know it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Rather than spending $87.5 million dollars, because you knew what you were getting, right? Yeah. No, you didn't. You did the same thing with Wilson Contreras. You what just do you went, mean? What? Anthony, they thought they knew what they were getting. They did. They didn't. Oh. No, just ask them. Just go back. Read uh, read any article or any interview from the beginning of the season. Oh, he doesn't know how we do things. Okay, but you didn't know all this. Mm-hmm. Hmm, wouldn't have been great if you did. So this is why I go again. When you're talking big money players, why not take advantage of the opportunity to find out if what you're reading in the scouting report matches up to what he really is in person? Yeah. Missed opportunity for me. Robert from St. Charles, congratulations. You won the tickets for St. Louis Blues Night, Cardinals game on Friday, September 15th. Again, you can find out all the details, cardinals.com slash theme. We asked the trivia question for the tickets. Tommy Edmond, who's who's delivered the the back-to-back walk-offs for the Cardinals, where did he play college ball? Correct answer is... Matthew Stanford. That's right, Matthew Stanford. (laughs) That's what he texted in, too. Is that what he texted in? That's what he texted in. He deserved the tickets. Nice job. Uh, So congratulations to Robert. And for those that don't know the inside joke, Jamie beat himself up pretty bad when... He had a trivia question for the oh, gauntlet yeah. about Matthew oh. Stafford and where he went to school. And Jamie said, Stanford, Matthew Stanford. Yeah. 
Oh, boy, was that wrong. Real answer is? Georgia. Georgia, that's mm. correct. Yep. All right, young quarterbacks, three seasons or less. So guys that are either entering their third season and are projected to start this year or guys that are the rookies or in their second year. Put together a little uh, questionnaire, including which guy, which one of those young quarterbacks will surprise this year. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. So there is a group of quarterbacks that are projected to start this year in the NFL that are either heading into their third seasons with their respective teams or year two or are rookies. They're projected to start as rookies. That list, I'll go through it quickly. Trevor Lawrence of the Jaguars, Justin Fields of the Bears, Mac Jones of the Patriots, Kenny Pickett of the Steelers, Desmond Ritter of the Falcons, Sam Howell of the Commanders, and Brock Purdy. Of the 40, I'm sorry, yeah, Brock Purdy of the 49ers. The rookies, Bryce Young of the Panthers, CJ Stroud of the Texans, Anthony Richardson of the Colts. Guys, which young quarterback of this group is in the best position to lead his team to the playoffs this year? Besides well, Trevor Lawrence. We'll we'll cross him off because that's the that's the layup. So out of this young yeah. group, out of this young group, well, which which team is in which which QB is in the best position to lead his team to the I playoffs? I think there's another layup on here too. Brock Purdy. Yeah, it's true. Good call. So I'm not let's, being a jerk. No, I'm just no, saying, you're absolutely like, that right. That team is so damn good. Let's cross off because let's have a little fun. Yeah. So let's cross off Lawrence for this question and Purdy for this question. Yeah. Um, all right. So you're ba- right, Jamie. Good catch. That's all right. Based upon this, these selections, I mean, there's only two realistic ones in my opinion. Maybe three. So I whittled it down to Fields, Jones, and Pickett. So who are you going with? I know. That's the problem right You only there. get one. I know. You only get one selection, um, Jamie. Okay. So if I only get one, I'm going to go with Justin Fields. Okay. I think that I know that's a massive jump for the Bears, but when I look at the conference, the conference is it's the path to the playoffs is easier in the NFC than it is in the AFC. Yep. And if I look at the path for the Patriots through the AFC East and the rest of the AFC, it's not great. If I look at the Steelers, their division's going to be competitive as well, and the conference is uber competitive. So my pick would be Justin Fields. Marsh. I can't believe I'm saying this. Say it. Go I'm ahead, going with him. Desmond Ritter. Yeah, you are. Desmond Ritter, yes, he is the are. easiest division out of all of these uh, guys that are on this list. Of course, yeah. you do still have Bryce Young in that same division. However, he is a rookie, uh, so I'm not putting those expectations on him. However, Desmond, Marsh. Desmond Ritter, I mean, he really, all he has to do is just basically command the game. Basically, just hand the ball off. Just hand don't the ball suck off. is what just you're don't saying. Suck. Just don't turn the ball over. Just Manage don't it. turn the ball over. Be a game manager. Mm-hmm. Hand the ball off to the three guys that can run the ball down the field, especially one of them that we were just talking about the other day, Bijan Robinson. I think he has the uh, the best position. He's in the best position to lead his team to the playoffs. Again, Marsh, couldn't be more proud of you. Well done on that one. I'm going to go with Kenny Pickett. Wow. Kenny Pickett <laughs> of the Steelers. The Steelers 
have a top 10 defense. In fact, I think they could be top five when it's all said and done. He's got weapons. He's got a decent offensive line, average to above average offensive line. And I think he showed enough growth over last over the course of last year to have a good season in his second year with the Steelers and uh, make the playoffs. Which young quarterback in this group is in the toughest spot to succeed? Wow. Marshy, go first on this one. Or Anthony, one of you guys. Do you guys want to eliminate? Do you guys want to eliminate the? Uh, uh, never mind. Let's not do that. Because there's there's a couple of options yeah. that you can go with here. I'm torn between two players right now. I'm torn between Mac Jones and Sam Howell, but I'm going to go with Mac Jones based on the AFC East being a tough division. There's three teams in there that I believe will be playoff teams this season, and the team that he plays on is not one of them. So Mac Jones is my guy. Yep. So yeah, the toughest spot to succeed. Yes, I mean, like basically, he's he's DOA. Yeah, I, I think it's Anthony Richardson. So do I. <laughs> Look yeah. at that Colts team; they're not good, and he is going to get pulverized. Now, yeah, he's my pick, Anthony Richardson. That's who I was. I was I was between Sam Howell and yeah. Anthony Richardson. But look, the the Colts the Colts defense is terrible. The offensive line oh. is slightly below average. There's not enough skill position players there. Jonathan Taylor's holding out. and I think Anthony Richardson's DOA. This is the year if I was the Colts, if they had half a brain, I would have picked up a Marcus Mariota, a Sam Darnold, a Mitch Trubisky-esque quarterback, and threw them to the Lions while this kid gets his feet wet. Because this is going to be ugly. They're going baptism by fire. I know, but... That and they picked he and might they did drown. Have, and they did have Gardner well they have Gardner Minshew so I would, you know they could have just fed into the Lions but not great okay which young QB should have the highest expectations and we won't eliminate any wow. we won't make any any wow. exceptions here so who's, it's who, easy highest expectation Trevor Lawrence I think for sure the highest expectations for him. He, he had a breakout season last year, mm-hmm. and you could only imagine that his trajectory, the way he's trending, is you know way up there. Yeah. My expectations for him is that this kid's gonna, this guy, this kid, whatever, he's gonna be a stud court. Like he is gonna be part of that stud group that you talk about in the NFL yeah. following this season. Marsh. Yeah, I'm torn on this one. I, I want to say Justin Fields because there's already a ton of expectations on him. But I don't know if he should have those expectations because I don't. I, I don't know. I, I guess I'll go Justin Fields based based on him. I think the question for me is: Can he live up to the expectations that are already put on him? I think they're too high. I do too. I think they're way too high, especially with the team that he plays for. Um, hey. Playoffs. So, <laughs> by the way, I'm looking at this, and you. I was wondering why you said, "Hey, we have the abbreviations next to the teams. We have the Cubs abbreviation next to the." Bears. I do. Yeah. I, I find that funny. Anthony, uh, you could say Bryce Young, though. Thanks. You could Thanks, say Bryce Jimmy. Young based on how 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 high he went in the draft. So being the top pick. Yeah. Um. So I think I think Jamie's right in Trevor Lawrence. If we were to omit Trevor Lawrence, I think the next guy would be Brock Purdy because it's the, it, it, look you got rid of, one. You got rid of Trey Lance. You you got, you got a loaded team. You showed last year that you can operate in that offense. The expectations, despite him 
Like if you if you forget the, just the draft where he went in the draft, the the expectations for Brock Purdy are going to be pretty high this year. Again, great team, excellent coordinator, loads of talent around him, and he and he showed that he could play last year. So again, if you omit Trevor Lawrence out of this, Brock Purdy's my selection. We will wrap it up here. Which young quarterback do you believe will surprise in 2023? Uh, for me, it's Mac Jones. I think that we got the 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 ugly last year, but he had absolutely no help in the play calling department. No strategy. Two defensive coordinators trying to figure out life on the offensive side of the ball, and you know he's responsible for some of that too. Mm-hmm. So I think with the way Bill Belichick is setting it up, he's almost going back to like dumbing it down so simple that with Mac Jones' talent, he'll have success. I think that'll be the biggest surprise. Marsh? I want to say Kenny Pickett, but... You laughed at me earlier. So there's a, there's a lot a of lot. people... Yeah, he did. I didn't laugh at you when you said Kenny Pickett. You did. You, you certainly did. Out loud. Yeah. We have the audio. YouTube's I'm, I'm going to have to go back and listen to that. I don't remember laughing. You'll be embarrassed. Um, but I feel like there's a lot of people that, that think that the, Pitts, the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to have a, a pretty good year. So I'm actually going to say Anthony Richardson. You guys think he might struggle this year based on the spot that he's in? I I agree. I think he, he's not in a great spot. But I after what I saw in the preseason, I think he's going to surprise some people. I don't think they're going to be a playoff team by any means, but I think he's definitely going to have a better year than what we expect. I'm going to choose Bryce Young. I'm a huge Bryce Young believer. I loved his game at Alabama. He's not the biggest guy. There's nothing he can do there. But he processes information quickly. He's got an OC slash head coach in Frank Reich that you know has worked with young quarterbacks before. I think that Bryce Young is, is one of those guys, based on what he was asked to do in Bama's offense, that can make that jump. And have it not be seamless, but the transition won't be as rocky as a lot of the other young quarterbacks will will, will undergo. So I'm going to go with Bryce Young. Chris Kerber, Voice of the Blues, will join us next. Talk a little Blues hockey here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers, Anthony Stalter, it's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Let's head to our celebrity line. We're joined by Chris Kerber, voice of the blues here on 101 ESPN. What's up, Kerbs? Anthony, how are you guys? Doing great. So, Kerbs, we were chatting earlier about JR's fantastic piece on Colton Pareko at The Athletic, and Colton talked about, you know, what his focus is, talked about the fans talked about the perception of him and what went wrong last year. What was your biggest takeaway from JR's? piece on Colton Pareko? Uh, you know what? I, I think my biggest takeaway was I think Colton's kind of he's at peace with where he is as a player and what he needs to do. And I kind of got a very veteran calm and veteran sense to his responses where he is what his role with the team is. He understands his, um, you know, his contract situation and where he wants to be. And he'll do it. Now, I think if you talk to Colton privately and he opens up to you, I think he'd tell you that he he thinks he could do more on the ice. 
Um, and, and, you know, and probably wouldn't mind some of that offensive zone candy or power play time, but he's such an ultimate team guy. And I think that's something that cannot be overlooked if you're a fan. And that's one of the reasons that he's got such great value that, you know, he's willing to do whatever he needs to do to help the team. Curbs, I brought it up earlier and, um, you know, I think a lot of Blues fans don't realize sometimes how hard the job is for Colton Pareko. And you just touched upon, you know, some of that candy of getting the offensive zone faceoff or power play time. When you look at his numbers, I mean, it was defensive zone faceoff after defensive zone faceoff. That's tough for a guy to create offensively. And it's also one of those things where if you're not on the highlight reel, that's probably a good thing because you did your job. But if you are, everybody focuses on the fact that, boy, you got walked by McDavid or McKinnon or the backdoor tap-in. That's a tough spot for a guy to be in. Listen, and, well, not only that, but he's doing that getting you close to 30 points a season. Okay, now, is 30 points the 100 points that uh, that Carlson put up? No. But Carlson put up 100 points and was a minus player. I mean, that's I, that's why I have a problem with the way the Norris Trophy was done the, the past year. Like, you know, listen, Eric Carlson is a hell of a defenseman, right? And and maybe if the coaches used him in it as a penalty killer, he but he's won three Norris Trophies, and in every one of those years, basically has done no penalty killing. Now, how does the defenseman in the league, right, not be killer? It, it, it's foolish to me, and I say that because I look at I look at Colton and I look at where he's at. Uh, well, Anchor. they lost than anybody last year, right? Like, you can go 200 feet. And frankly, a lot of the time, you know, when you're out there and you're in those defensive situations, like you said, Jamie, you're playing against the best players, typically the other team, because they like very rarely are they putting the fourth liners out for those offensive zone face-offs against you. Right, and then you got to go 200 feet, and frankly, sometimes you're not out on the ice with your top offensive players. And so, you know, Tori Krug, right after Petro left, I think some of that ice time that Colt Pareko would have morphed into with Tori. And hey, we're like, uh, like he's. Hey Curbs, hang, hang on. If you hey, Curbs, if you still got us, we're starting to break up a little bit, so we'll have we'll have Marsh uh, we'll have Marsh pot you down and, and call you back real quick. I want to make sure that um, I mean, if you're listening, it's tough it's tough to hear Curbs. You want to make sure that we got him. So Marsh, if you don't mind to uh, put him on hold there and try to call him back, try to get a, a better connection. Curbs might be traveling, but the, Curbs was referencing referencing something, Jamie, that you had brought up earlier in the show about Colton Pareko and the amount of time that he spends in the defensive zone, mm-hmm. and if you score a goal. And you're on the if the other team scores a goal, you're on the ice. A lot of fans are gonna fans are gonna see it. It's a thankless job you called it, and I thought you brought up a great, a great point with that. It, bad situation. It's not like you're you're sitting there in the offensive zone, and all you have to do is is be on the ice when either you score or somebody else scores. You're putting you're putting together the the, the tough zone time. Yeah, it's it's a very difficult job, and I can tell you from personal experience, there are times in my career where I was put out there to play nothing but defense mm-hmm. against some of the best players in the league, and it's tough. I mean, you might go two periods where there's no action, you're doing your job properly, and then the third period, a couple of bad bounces, a couple of great plays by their top-end players, and then you're on the minus sheet. Right. So it's a, it's a tough spot for anybody. Curbs, you there? 
I got you guys. Oh, hey, if we got any, uh, if, if we've got anybody listening that works for Verizon, we really wouldn't mind them <laughs> finding a way to get a signal on 141 right next to uh, <laughs> South Middle School there. Uh, that's that's all right. I, there's, Crystal clear now, Curbs. There's spots everywhere. You know, there's uh, it doesn't really matter who your carrier is. There's always going to be a bad spot. But uh, Chris Kerber joining us right now in the fast lane on 101 ESPN. Curbs, I know we talked to talked a little bit about this last week about the the captain and whether or not the Blues should name a captain. And you were very passionate about it. Jamie was very passionate about that. They they should be a captain. Uh, and I thought you brought up a great anecdote about uh, Braden Shen and how that he's kind of the epitome of a captain. Do you anticipate him? being named the captain? You know what? I, I do, but here's what I think Here's what I think is ha- is going to happen there. I think Doug Armstrong, knowing him, is going to really be – he's going to do his homework. He's going to reach out to other players. He's going to reach out to, to some former players that he trusts. Now, one thing to keep in mind, Doug Armstrong was a part of the transitioning to Brendan Morrow as captain in Dallas, right, when they went from Mike Madonna to Brendan Morrow. And whether they should have gone to Brendan Morrow at that time, whether there should have been co-captains. Doug's one of these guys that relies upon those experiences and those histories that he's had, right? And he's been through other captain situations, obviously, here in St. Louis. You know, when, with the naming of David Backus, with the naming of Alex Petrangelo. You know, do you, should you have named Barrett Jackman captain? You know, and one of the reasons Barrett Jackman was not named captain was because, well, his contract situation, he was up in a year, which was a weird one for me. I always felt he should have been one. Same thing with Alexander Steen. I felt he should have been one. So it's something that Doug Armstrong takes very seriously. So the one challenge that I think Doug is going to really consider here is he knows where he wants this team to be three or four years from now, and he sees who he believes should be the leaders of that team. What he does not want to do is stunt that growth at all by naming someone captain that could prevent maybe some of those younger voices from getting heard. My stance on this is I think that is still Braden Shen that should be your captain because he's one that's going to bring some of those younger voices along. And you talk to the captain and you make him you make him part of that. And you say, look, this is what we want you to do as part of your role as captain here. And so I still sit in the camp that I believe that the Blues should name one captain. I still believe that it should be Braden Shen. I could see Doug Armstrong after some of his past experiences going with a co-captain situation, um, you know, or deciding to just wait and see. But uh, I still, even even looking at that situation and handicapping it, I'm still sticking with Braden Shen as uh, my leader in the clubhouse, at least in terms of if, if it were up to me. Yeah, I agree 100% with you, Curbs. Hey, uh, another article that came out in The Athletic over the last week is our good buddy Dom over there, who Blues fans think he has a personal vendetta against the Blues, which he doesn't. Uh, but he, he had ranked the you know the front office, basically, of every team in the NHL, and he had the Blues at 21st in the NHL. I disagreed with him, Curbs. Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to give Army a top five spot here, maybe even a top ten, because there's been some things that have happened over the course of the last four or five years. But I had them somewhere between 12 and 15 in the NHL. I'm curious to get your thoughts on, you know, where do you think the Blues should rank and if you agreed with that ranking or not. Uh, I very rarely agree with Dom Wasish. Right? <laughs> you okay. and me both. All right. And, and, and I do have to give him credit. Like, I thought he was full of you-know-what last year, and the Blues actually finished worse than even he predicted. Uh, but having said that, no, Doug Armstrong's front office is a top-ten front office in the National Hockey League. 
I do think what maybe pulls him out of the top five is you, you, I think it is fair to question whether or not he was aggressive enough and risk-taking enough to keep that, that, some of that cup core together longer. Take some guys into their early 30s you know, and see how much longer you could keep that window going. So I think that's a fair question. But when you consider the fact that they've only missed the playoffs twice since then, he's one of the winningest general managers. The Blues have had what, the, the, the third most points of any team in the league you know, since Doug Armstrong took over as general manager. You consider the fact that you look at some of the young prospects they have coming, and that is all while picking 20th, 21st, 26th. I mean, the crazy thing about where the St. Louis Blues are, right, is until this year, the highest pick they had had, you got to go back to 2010 when they took Jaden Schwartz at 14th. All right? So don't give me any, like, for Don decision to put any team like the Edmonton Oilers, uh, anyone, any one of these teams, the Buffalo Sabres, that, that, that have missed the playoffs as many times as they have with as many top ten picks as they had would be absolutely insane. So, no, I, I, I don't do that. Plus, Don, Don liked the and, and frankly, and frankly, Jeremy did this in it with his article on Pareko, too. And, and I'll tell you what, like, somebody please take the expected goal. Oh, thank you. Analytic and go wipe a baby's dirty rear end with it. Twice. Like, <laughs> like seriously. Here's the deal with expected goals. I'm, I'm on a rant, I guess, so sorry about this. <laughs> I'll go. go for it. Like, like, expected goals going in is like the weatherman predicting the weather, okay? And I've talked to goalie coaches and other people in the game about that stat. The expected goal stat that matters is not the ones that happen before the game or comparisons on you know expected goals against when he's on the ice. It's the expected goal stat that matters is the one that after the game, they look at game situations that have come up and then how those game situations were handled. And then even though those are based on, on decades now worth of analysis saying 50% of goals are scored when the puck is in that situation, 30%, that kind of stuff. And then they'll base goaltender statistics off that. That's what goalie coaches and stuff work over. Most of these others, like your expected goals going into a game, could be one of the absolute dumbest stats I've, I mean, I've ever possibly seen. Uh, you don't know if a guy gets hurt in the first period, and so then you're still going to play that stat out to the end. So I just, I, I'm not anti-analytic in any way. I actually believe in analytics that, that they can help you. I think you get organizations like the Cardinals that go too far with them and then try to manage with them. That doesn't work. And then you get certain stats like expected goals in the, on, the, on the hockey side that don't tell you really much of the story. So, um, you know, it's good It's good arguments for fodder, but I guarantee you that if you asked every general manager in the National Hockey League to rank the general managers in front offices, I'm going to bet you that probably 31 out of the 31 have Doug Armstrong, if not in the top five, somewhere in the top ten. Well said, Curbs. Great stuff. Appreciate you. Have a great rest of your week and a great weekend, and we'll talk to you again next week. Yeah, my apologies for Verizon Wireless at 141 in front of the schoolboys. <laughs> no, good, you're good. I, no, no problem. I know where, I had nowhere to go. We're actually going down. USA Hockey is in town right now uh, doing sites uh, to check in on the St. Louis uh, bid for the 2026 World Junior Championship. So a big night here for the USA Hockey folks in town. Oh, nice. Excellent. Well, enjoy it. Yeah. All right, guys. Have a great weekend. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. You too. That's Chris Gerber, Voice of the Blues here on 101 ESPN. And we have What's Trending next. 
We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's going on in the world of sports? The Fast Lane has you covered with what's trending now. Brought to you by Goodwill. Donate to Goodwill and get a Lion's Choice Sandwich Coupon. It's Fastlane on 101 ESPN 503. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Time for What's Trending with our guy Marsh. Oh, Jamie sent me an article from TMZ Sports. You know it's got to be juicy. And of course it is. Matthew Stafford's wife on her podcast comments saying it's probably the worst thing I've done. Oh, no kidding, Kelly. No kidding. I'm still in disbelief that it happened. And you know that uh, that Matthew Stafford and maybe her own relatives or family or whatever it is said, what are you doing here? And again, I applaud her for going out and doing her own thing. Having a podcast, go for it. You're mm-hmm. creative. Um, you like doing media type stuff or opinion-based programming. Great. It should not be about the NFL or your husband's career. Just stay away from it. Nothing good comes of that. Unless you're just going to be a total fluff piece where every day you just do nothing but talk about how great the city is, the team and the teammates and this and that. Okay, fine. Otherwise, it is set up for failure. And that's what happened here. She would not make comments about how Matthew Stafford can't relate to any of the young guys that he has a, a like basically a poster board made with their faces and their names on it. Yeah, he went to the media. Oh. The media guy and- like whether um, that's true yeah. or not, I, I, maybe she was just kind of joking. It was taken out of context. I don't know. I'm willing to even let that slide. Yeah. It just, yeah. Well, what's the benefit, right? Like, well, what's she, the, what, one of her what, quotes? What's is, the payoff? Just she's not in an NFL locker room. I'm not spending every day with these guys, these teammates. Like your husband is. Yeah, exactly. She, she just, she put him in a bad spot, a really bad spot. And and he's got to waltz into the room the next day, yeah. and his wide receivers are like, "Really? You don't know who the hell I am?" Yeah, bro, really? I mean, that's that's pretty. Sean McVay tough. is like, "What are we? Yeah, doing what here? are we doing?" Yeah, it's a complete distraction. It's too bad that it happened. You know, she says she's sorry, but here's the other thing too. Again, what do you what do you hope to what do you hope to gain out of that? Clicks. Okay, one time. I highly doubt. Are you are you now interested in the Kelly Stafford podcast? The 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 next edition. No. No. So you you kind of sewered your husband, put him in a bad spot. You don't have to walk into the locker room. He does. He's got to face his teammates. And even if all of this is true, and I'm sure it is, I'm sure, you know, he's had a conversation with her. He may have said it in jest. Sure. Too. I mean, and I've turned around and put it on the podcast. Man. I don't even know what any of these guys right. are. Like, you know, my wife and I have private conversations. I don't want her to turn around and, you know, air, air it out on podcast. Then. Marsh will know how, how we feel about him, Jamie. No, and no you're way. doing great, Marsh. You're fantastic. What'd you say? Yeah. Huh? Sounds good. Don't worry. Kristen will tell you later. <laughs> All right. I'm excited. Yeah. 
<laughs> Guys, on the latest episode of Hard Knocks, uh, there was an altercation between Aaron Rodgers and New York Giants linebacker uh, Jihad Ward. They got into uh, like an altercation. Ward said that there was a dirty hit from Randall Cobb. And then after Rodgers threw the football on a pass, he then hit Rodgers later, gave him a push, and they he started going him. back and forth. And Rodgers said, I don't even know who you are. To the guy and yeah. uh, to Ward. It's Jihad Ward. And, and he said the exact same thing back to him. He's like, I don't know who you are. <laughs> and so uh, today, Rogers was asked about the situation and he said that uh, that he was just, ma- he thinks that he- Ward was just making that blank up. I made it up. That's exactly <laughs> what he said. What do you what do you think about Aaron Rodgers and this this whole altercation? What do you if you're Ward, like do you think you're just saying that to say it? There's right. no way he doesn't know who Aaron Rodgers. No, is. but it's just just as stupid in reverse too. <laughs> I hate that chirp. It's the it's the laziest chirp ever. Who are you, anyways? Hmm. I don't even know who you are. Okay, asshat. Enough. He's guys playing in the NFL. You got the scouting report. I can guarantee you if that guy's able to hit you after every single play, you know who he is. You know where he's coming from. It's a it was a lazy chirp by Aaron Rodgers. And I think what happened is it was such a dumb chirp that the Giants player in return threw it back at him. I don't know who you are either. Like mm-hmm. almost like how stupid are you? Right. Don't like it. Yeah. Don't like it. Anthony, I don't know what your feelings are. I think it's yeah, I, I agree with you. Come up with a better one. I am with you, man. I think I, you're right. The whole like tell him, say, you know what, you're our best player. Tell him that one. Say right. we should give you a jersey because yeah. you're, our, you're best our best player, player tonight. That yeah. didn't somebody sling that at you? Yeah. You know time? what? Maybe. And it Maybe. hurt. It still hurts. It still hurts. Yeah. The therapy. Who was that? I forget. <laughs> no, I think it was a fan, wasn't it? Rivers is our best oh, player. Oh, that was in, yeah, it was in LA. They got this guy who is a, I mean, a classic chirper. Yeah. And I was sitting there, and he's got one little alleyway from where he sits with the plexiglass to get right to you. And mm. whenever you'd come off the ice is when you were susceptible. And he'd be like, "Hey, trainer, give Rivers a Kings jersey. He's our best player tonight." <laughs> That's so good. You know what the worst part about it is? He was right. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I knew it hurt. I actually turned back and I gave him a little little tip of the hat. I was like, that was good. Yeah. That was good. I respect it. Uh Jihad Ward, by the way, he played for he played at Illinois. So you know. Hmm. So there's that. Yeah. Whatever. It's yeah. a lazy chirp. No. Jamie's right. Uh guys, pro football. Certainly Hall not of gonna Famer. back Rogers. So no, exactly. Pro Football Hall of Famer Gil Brandt, who was one of the architects yeah. who helped uh, turn the Cowboys from an expansion franchise into, quote-unquote, America's team. Uh, he passed away today. He was 91. Yeah, Marshall, I was hoping that you're going to bring him up, and I'm glad you did. Um, I was going to mention it at the end if you, if you didn't, but yeah, Gil Brandt, I think a lot of people our age, Jamie, no Gil Brandt, not as necessarily the the architect who helped build the, Cow- the Cowboys America's team, but as somebody that is like renowned for mock drafts. You waited until Gil Brandt put together his mock draft and it's like, okay, now we there's our foundation. There's the blueprint. There's the blueprint. Yeah. Now we can kind of mix in some of our opinions, but we can't stray too far away from that because he had such an impeccable eye when it came to when it came to scouting. So this is somebody that if you dive into the history, this this man knew players. He knew how to build a team and he helped again. Uh, build build those outstanding Cowboys teams. I had an opportunity 
to meet him one time at Rams Park because sometimes you know, he was doing, I think he was doing like a serious show, serious satellite show, and he was doing it with maybe uh, Alex Marvez. They're hosting together. They came to Rams Park one time. I didn't, I didn't chat long with him, but that guy, that guy knew, you know, he's forgotten. He forgot more football than I'll ever know, and most people will ever know. So, uh, sad day for football with Gilbrandt passing. Last one here. Are you guys a fan of Cougars? Absolutely. You know, no I doubt. Am. Well, hopefully you're not tonight because they're taking on your Missouri Tigers. Oh, as Mizzou you set us up. Jamie? Kicks off their 2023-2024 totally. season tonight. Jeez. Oh. Mizzou, South Dakota. I thought he was talking about the big cat. You know, the big cats. The Cougars. Yeah. How could Still you no do match that? for a Tiger. Still, no. Come on. No. Yeah, do you think a Tiger would, would defeat a Cougar? Oh, yeah. Yes. For sure. Absolutely. Tear that Cougar apart. Even in football? Um, yes. Mm. Let's Certainly. just play a game. I know we've been like, sure. we like playing games. There's, this is all like, hypothetical. Would you like to play a game? Exactly. Like to play a game. I don't think this is going to happen. Oh, but on, a, on another planet, another Earth, another universe, Mizzou, Mizzou loses tonight. What happens? Um, they're 0 and 1 on the season. Season ticket scale. <laughs> season ticket sales <laughs> go up in flames. They, you know, they almost lost to who was it? Missouri State. Missouri State. That was about two yeah. or three years ago. I wouldn't say they almost lost to them, but Missouri, at halftime they made it. They made it interesting. Yeah, Missouri State hung like you know forty some odd points on them. That that was a little rough the one year. Uh, hypothetically speaking. You, then I think you'd have to run the table from here on out if you lost tonight or finish with like nine or ten wins. Maybe they don't lose, but what if it? What if it's close? Um, then you can write it off as write it off first game, first game, Thursday night, first game jitters, all that. Yes, Jamie, yeah. you have your hand up. Yeah, I have my hand up. A question, Andrew. How sure are you that they're the Cougars? Oh no. No, don't look. Marsh. No, Andrew, how I sure are you? I think they're the you? Cougars. How sure are you? I'm like, now I'm not too sure at all. Huh. They're not the Cougars? Or were you just thinking about what are the Cougars? Maybe I was thinking about Cougars. Mm. What are they? The the Wildcats? No, they're the Coyotes. The Coyotes. The coyotes. Ah. Yeah. I keep thinking they're the Cougars. Who the hell are the Cougars? Well, <laughs> they're all around you. <laughs> <laughs> That's a team from old school. They're the, they're the what? They're the Cougars. The cougars? <laughs> Damn it! You're just scrapping over there, Marshy. I like it. You know what? This isn't the first time I've called them the Cougars either. <laughs> See, it's like Seton Hall all over again. It totally is. Uh, it's even worse because this is this one is spanning over a, a few months. Uh, oh. <laughs> SIU Edwardsville. They're the Cougars. There, there we go. And Sioux Falls. They're maybe, the Cougars. Maybe that's who I'm thinking of. Yeah, Sioux sure. Falls is in South Dakota. Yeah, that's probably what you're thinking. There Chicago is. State. They're the Cougars. Uh, I'm not Clark thinking about Clark College them. is the Cougars. Co- uh, College of Charleston. They're the Cougars. That, no, there's there's uh, plenty. It's definitely the Sioux oh, Falls Houston. one. Houston what Cougars. is Kansas Houston State? Cougars. Wildcats. They're the Wildcats. Wildcats. Yeah. I mean, they can be the Cougars in a few weeks <laughs> if <laughs> we want them to. <laughs> Serious Cougars are coming out of Kansas. I would say. I would say so. All right. Fastlane on 101 ESPN. One thing to look for. Finally, we reach the NFC South, the top division in football, boys. The most interesting at the this very least. Fun. One thing to watch. NFC yeah, South. Next. None of it. 101 East. Come on. 101 ESPN. <laughs> We're right back.
right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Fastlane here on 101 ESPN. Well, we've covered all of the other divisions so far in the NFL. We are down to, well, would you say we saved the best for last, Marshy? No, Anthony, this is why your mic's not on. We don't want you. on. (laughs) Damn it, Marshy. Well, we're at the NFC South, Mm. and uh, there's a a lot to be desired in this division, Anthony. If you take your Falcons glasses off here for a second, that division is hot garbage. It's hot garbage. Wow. So one thing to look for is one team over 500, I think, is the key here. Well, they didn't get one last year, Jamie, so... <laughs> they made, they made the playoffs! I mean, Tampa... Somebody had to go. Oh, my God. Tampa, Tampa didn't even finish with a uh, no. 500 record. No, they so, didn't. Or an no over 500 record. You can't finish 500. Okay, so... Not anymore. Let's start with the... No, let's start with the Buccaneers. One thing to watch for. Uh, Baker Mayfield, man. Does he finish... Here's my one thing to watch for with the Buccaneers. Does he finish the season as the starting quarterback? I think he has a pretty good year, to be honest. What? I... They have a lot of Define really, pretty good year for well, Baker. Five, you know, just over 500. Somewhere in there. But they, they got a really good team. No. The offensive line's got some some issues. Uh, they lost their center, who uh, might be done for his career at this point. Was it Jensen? And uh, uh, Yes. But they've got some pieces there. Uh, they yeah. got Evans. They got Godwin. Some pieces there. They got two guys. Yeah, so who are else? I'm going to go look at the punter. Like, what am I going to do here? I'm kind of, I'm kind of forced to watch Baker Mayfield and see what he does here. I think this is one of the worst teams in football, and they will be selecting somewhere in the top five next April for the NFL draft. Caleb Williams, come <laughs> maybe, on I mean, down. maybe they're going to have to. They're going to be hard pressed to beat the Cardinals, who are even worse. But oh boy, that's right. there's just, there's just nothing there. That offensive line is one of the worst in football. Yeah, they got Mike Evans. Yes, they've got you know Rashad White and Kate Otten, uh, Chris Godwin. But the, outside of those two wide receivers, there's nothing behind them. Their defense is scattered. You know, Devin White, Vitavea, great. Other than that, the secondary can be had. I, I the one th- to me, the one thing to watch for is wh- when does Kyle Trask, Trask get his opportunity to He's get not the answer to get his brains kicked he, into. Yeah. That's not the answer. Yeah, no, Bucks, Bucks are to me. That's the last place to. Marsh, mm, uh, I disagree with that. One thing I'm looking for is seeing if Todd Bowles makes it past the bye week. When's I mean, the bye? That's week? a good one too. When's the bye week for them? Mm, week does, three or four? How about this? <laughs> <laughs> that would suck to be. Is he the, is he the first head coach fired? Like, yes. Uh, ooh, I don't know. I say yes. Uh, let's see here. Who are other candidates? I mean, Mike McCarthy. Ron Rivera. Mike McCarthy. I think McCarthy, like Jerry Jones, as much as he is a little bit out there, he's dedicated to his coaches, mm-hmm. and he's certainly dedicated through the season. You yeah. know what I mean? Their yeah. bye week is literally week three, or week four. Uh, is it? Yeah. Oh, man. So they play um, October 1st and then play October 15th. Week four. That's an early bye. It would be, to me, that it, it would be... A total upset 
if he's not the first, if Todd Bowles isn't the first head coach fired. I have to agree. I don't know if there's any other. Some, there's always a surprise candidate. Ron Rivera is a good one. Have you been like reading some of the stuff he's been saying? Like, he's, I have no confidence in. Yeah. He, they were talking about Sam Howell, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Oh, I wish, I wish I would have knew that he could have played like this last year." Like, it's like, dude, how do you not know what you have on your team? He made some weird comments last year too. Remember that there was something he didn't know. There was some. There was some sort of. Hmm. I'm pretty sure it was Ron Rivera. Uh, never. I, I I can't remember what it is. I, I believe you. it doesn't matter going back. But he he's, yeah. I I think I think he's he's in the picture when it comes to first head coach mm-hmm. fire. Okay, Carolina Panthers. One thing to watch for. What do you got, Marsh? Yeah, I think the Carolina Cougars. <laughs> what do you got? Uh, Carolina Cougars. They're so bad. <laughs> <laughs> They're so bad. This team. Um, they can stink. they keep Bryce Young healthy? Yes. You mentioned that he might alive. He might die <laughs> due to Frank Reich. Not yeah. being able to yeah. call Not the right plays. Dude, that, that first preseason game, no. if I didn't know better, I thought that Frank Reich was trying to get Bryce Young decapitated. I I, I thought maybe that was the game plan. That was brutal <laughs> to watch. That's what I'm looking for. That's, I'm, I'm right there with you, Marshy. I mean, I don't want to see it happen. No, I don't want to see it, but it's like, yeah. It's like, come on. And they have like no skill players at all. <laughs> Like, who the hell is he throwing to? Adam Thielen? Jonathan Mingo. Adam Thielen. I mean, I like DJ Adam Chark. Thielen. I have an Adam Thielen you know, like Vikings jersey. Carolina team. Terrence Mathis. Minnesota or, State uh, alum. Marshall. Terrence Marshall. I actually picked him up for one week on my fantasy team last year because he had one good week. Guys, Can he do go. it for 17 weeks? Text line never Hayden fails. Hurst. 636 says, Ron Rivera didn't know they were still in the playoff hunt last That's year. That's what it was. Yep. That's what it was. Thank you. <laughs> He was like, oh, it stunk, it stunk to, uh, it sucks that we we're eliminated today. And I think the media was like, you're, you're you not. <laughs> That's what it was, yes. Unbelievable. My one thing to watch for is just the, 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 the progression of Bryce Young. I'm with you guys. This isn't a, a great overall team. Although, that because of the bad division last year, the, there no. was a moment no, Anthony. where the Panthers... Could have surprised no. and won the division. No, I mean yes. <laughs> I mean there were some games where they they looked pretty decent. The run game looked pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's not a great team, but can Bryce Young keep them in the hunt longer than than maybe most expect? Probably not. Okay. All right, Falcons. I thought you were going to save them for last. No, no, no. no. Let's let's pay the Saints <laughs> some respect here. Falcons, Jamie. What's the one thing you can't wait to to watch for the Falcons? Well, I, one thing to keep an eye on. Well, I I do want to see Bijan Frise here. See how he does with the uh, the running. <laughs> Who is game. that? That's a dog. <laughs> a dog is a Bijan Frise, the little fluffy thing. So his name's Bijan. So That's like, terrible. Bijan Frise. This yeah. could could be the NFL offensive rookie of the year. Be a dog out there. Give him the ball. He's a dog. Let him eat. Yeah, but she didn't choose like a Rottweiler. No, he's a smaller guy. German Shepherd. He's he not that big. Pitbull. He's, he's not that big. He's, he's prototypical size for a running back. Yeah, not that big. Okay. Okay, so one guy to watch for is one one thing to watch for is Bijan Robinson. See if he can get through week six without getting murdered. Because they give him the ball every other play. Mm. They got other guys. Uh, they really don't. Tyler Algier. I'm going to Kyle piggyback Pitts. off what Jamie just said. Drake London. The one thing Matt I'm Collins. looking for, Anthony, is how much of the workload 
does Robinson get with all those names that you just mentioned, including a few that I've never <laughs> even heard of? All that talent you just threw at us. How much of the workload does he get right off the bat? Are they going to have him be the bell cow, essentially? <laughs> He's got to be. He's going to get 300 touches. So they're, That's more they're than just going to Rodgers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that took March and I a second. <laughs> Sorry, guys. 100 hands. 300 for Bijan. <laughs> Unbelievable. It's like a hundred hands. At first, I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, you, Marsh, did you do the same thing I did? When Jamie said that, I go, we kind of looked at each other, too. Marsh going to touch the ball every, every play. Oh, now I get it. You're welcome. Oh, that was well done. All right, go ahead, Marsh. Are you, are you well, that, that was it. I just want to know what, what the workload looks like for I him. think it's three. I think he's going to get... I mean, I'm, I'm not talking about 300 carries. I'm talking about three, 300, 300 hands. touches. Yeah, 300 hands all over. Yeah. That's I mean, that's weird though because that's a hundred. That's 150 people. Uh huh. That's a lot of ancestors. Yeah, there's no doubt. That's a good call on that. Uh, for me, you guys already talked about Bijan Robinson, who is the only like national name that people are going to kind of recognize. I think this is a this is a wild card team. I do. I think it's a playoff team. It's a bad conference. It's a bad division. I'm looking to I'm looking to see how much the defense improves. I mean, they spent a lot of money to upgrade that defense, which was terrible last year. Mm-hmm. That the Falcons and the Bears had the worst sack rate in the league. They haven't had a they, they really haven't had a pass rush since John Abraham, who played in like 2006. So mm-hmm. it's been a minute. But they signed Clayus Campbell. They signed David Anyamata. They they you know re up to uh, Grady Jared two years ago. I think he's one of the more underrated players, but he's double teamed all the time because he never had his, has any help. Bud Dupree, Caden Ellis, and then they spent a buttload of money to bring in Jesse Bates, and they traded for Jeff Okuda. They completely revamped their defense. So if they can be average defensively, and obviously Desmond Ritter doesn't turn the ball over consistently, I think they're they're a playoff team. All right, Saints, one thing to watch for. for Derek me, Carr. Yeah. And for me, Derek, specifically with Derek Carr, it's you've for the first time in his career, Derek Carr is going to have a good defense. It's not going to be like historically great, but that Saints defense is going to be good. So first time, Derek Carr out of Vegas slash Oakland, and he's going to have a defense. The expectations are going to be high. I think they should win the division. They're they're the clear favorite. And Derek Carr, I wonder if he kind of has a bit of a coming out party here. Well, having a good D certainly is exciting, especially no your first time. Yep. A strong one, I would say. Yeah. To have a strong D mm-hmm. yeah. is important. He won't know what to do. No, he won't. It'll be nice He'll for figure sure. It. He'll figure it out. Uh, mine is, can Michael doing. Thomas finally stay healthy? With him and Chris Olave, Derek Carr, not only will he have a good D, but he will also have some guys to throw the ball to. That's nice. Which is nice. He had Devontae Adams last year. Well, I meant on this team. Okay. This is he first did have. Yeah, no, Devontae Adams, he had. Darren Waller. I was more so referring to Saints quarterbacks in general over the past few years. Ah. So. All right. Fair enough. All right. There you go. NFC look. NFC South look. It's Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Sports 6 back is next. 314-399-9646. If you have a question for us, fantastic. Send it into the Air Comfort Service text line or... 
via our YouTube channel, chat at 101 ESPN STL. Sports 6 back next. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the fast lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Asking me all these weird questions. Answer the question. Answer the question. Answer me. The sports six pack is refreshed by Maggie O'Brien's, your go-to Irish pub in St. Louis for over forty-two years. All right, time for the Sports Six Pack in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN with Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Salter. Here's Andrew Marsh with your questions. Question number one. From the 314, I meant to ask Tim earlier, but what dumb uniform combo is Mizzou wearing today? And I wanted to add on to that, what team has the best uniforms in college football? Best uniforms in college football, you say? I don't know what I don't Ducks, know what uh, colors Mizzou is wearing. I do like Oregon's yeah. combos. Quack, 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 Mr. Bigglesworth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that one's good. Got to go with something classic, though, right? Like what? I don't know. Bama. Oh, God. They're terrible. Okay. They're terrible. Honestly, you know what my, fa- you know what my favorite college football uniform is? Hmm. Oh, here we go. Home. home. No. What do you mean, here we go? What are you talking about? What? I'm not going to say Central Michigan, okay? Maybe fire up chips. I'm not going to do it, okay? F- no. <laughs> Texas. Texas has some the Texas, ones. burn orange, white helmet. Yeah. That's probably my my favorite. It's a classic. I do like Texas. Marsh, I feel like you're you're high on uniforms. I love who's uniforms. Your, who's your favorite? Yeah, probably my favorite Seton Hall. Oh, <laughs> uh, actually, I have no idea. Do they even have a football team? I have no clue. Uh, if they do, sure I don't they know do, what conference they're, they're in. Um... Wow, I really like Ohio State's white uniforms. Okay. I think those are pretty sweet. No, with the silver, I don't like the silver pants. I don't like white, white oh, really? shirt, silver pants. I just don't. I think it's a bad. Well, combo. it's a classic uniform. I just don't like it. That's your opinion, and I respect that. Thanks, Mark. I respect your opinion. Thank you. Um, I don't. Okay. There's a few other teams that that have good ones. I thought. <laughs> I think Florida. Now that I just watched the Tim Tebow, not the Tim Tebow documentary, but the <laughs> might as well been yeah, huh? the Tim Tebow. They, sh- <laughs> Guys, they should have won say in two thousand nine. Quack, 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 Mr. Bigglesworth. Yeah, it's Mr. Yes. Ducksworth. <laughs> I was wondering where you were going with that. I think Mr. Bigglesworth is from some other cartoon or some it other is. kid show. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Bigglesworth. <laughs> what the I, hell am I honestly, doing? Honestly, I heard it and I'm like. <laughs> Eh. I just got called out. I'm like, did I really say Mr. You did. What the hell is wrong with me? I think Florida has good uniforms. <laughs> I do not like Florida's uniforms. But I oh, you, you just hate Tim Tebow. Light blue and orange. <laughs> Florida State. Get out of Florida here. Florida State's old uniforms before they just they didn't rebrand. I guess they rebranded. They kind of modernized their yeah. their uniforms. But when James Winston was there, yeah. uh-huh. those uniforms like were those. sweet. I like I like the the arrow. Yes. Uh, helmet. Yeah, I like those. Um, oh, people that's are, Dr. Evil's yeah, cat. Do, yeah. nah, there Mr. you go. Quack, <laughs> 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 quack, 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 Mr. Beagles. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. That's incredible. I'm suspending myself. I won't be here tomorrow. That's awesome. What about Notre Dame? You grew up in that area. Or I, le- I allegedly. Like, yeah, I like Notre Dame. <laughs> 
my god! I like Notre Dame's uniforms. Air Force they're, is they're pretty classic. cool too. Air Force is cool. I they always have cool you know, when the when they do those those games uh, like Air Force, Navy, Army. They all have sweet uniforms. When they Army, Navy, historic, obviously historic yeah. last last regular season game every single year, as well as should be uh, the tradition in college football. The I always love the Army uniforms in those games. Like they come up with some sweet combinations. Mm-hmm. When they get when they're wearing the black and the gold, uh, that's that's hard to beat. A lot of people are saying Michigan also icon. I don't I don't know yeah, if I tough. like the jerseys as much as I like the helmet. I feel like it's a t- it's two different kind of conversations. I like the jersey pant combination. Yeah, the helmet with the wing. Uh, so you're the, we're the opposite then. I I like, like the helmet. helmet. I like the helmet. Oh, I like that yeah. navy blue and uh, and maize. Mm-hmm. Of course, blue, they, they the copied Delaware, Delaware though, yeah. or Delaware State. That, that's I a bl- joke. <laughs> uh, they have the same helmet, though. You're right. They do, yeah. With the blue hens or something? I think Delaware is the blue hens. I think Delaware State is like a like a jacket or something. There's something to the Michigan the helmet. I think there was, at some point, they thought that the quarterback could see the receiver better. With the helmet, really? If I if if I remember the history of that helmet, but um, yeah, I like the mm-hmm. I like the jersey pant combination. Clemson's there. purple jerseys are pretty sweet too. Ooh. I'm I gonna stick with have, yeah. I'm gonna stick with Texas, home home Texas. Question number two. Honestly, the all white Texas road uniforms are pretty sweet too. In Mizzou, um, for a while there. They got away from not, the original question was what is Mizzou wearing? I, we have no idea. Yeah, I have no but, idea. But when they went to the SEC and they switched their helmets to the Tiger logo yeah. rather than the Big M, I thought it was one of the worst decisions. Really? I oh, hated I, it. Oh, I, I love think, the Big M, dude. I think that I think their logo is sweet. No, it's a cool logo, but I was like, I think the M is iconic for Mizzou. They had like a tiger stripe on the helm. I'm think, like, this I, is so stupid. I think they did the right thing. I don't mind Mizzou's combos, I, the, like the the black jerseys with the gold pants or the black. And, oh no, yeah, that looks or great. Or all black, they'll go sometimes. I even like the, the white helmets that they'll put out there, but I like I, the big M. I listen, Marsh. You and I are just going to have to disagree on this, okay, kid? Guys, it's, it's okay to have a healthy disagreement. Thank you. Now just mf each other when you're out of the room. Mm, Texas. Well, Tech. I know what happens when when someone says blank you anthony i don't want that happening it's to true me. hey texas yeah, tech yeah. black white black helmets those are are we ah. done with this no we're done. I'm, like the I'm, michael well, crabtree let's, let's just spend the whole segment talking about college football uniforms because yeah, jamie wants to cry about it yeah, yeah. i'm done with it guys all right. if jamie doesn't want to do it we just got to move on it's fine 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 guys, fine fine, fine, fine. Yeah, we're on, like that you know we're what? on to cincinnati thank you for mm-hmm. noticing that we're on question one no, Still. Well, we're on question two now. From the 314, will we ever see a 20-game winning pitcher again? Not here. <laughs> Come on. That was that was mean. I was still angry about Marshy flying wow. off the handle, about the college uniforms. Yes. And I let that carry over into question number two, where I know I've got to park question number one. Yes, we My will. bad. Yes, we will. We may even see one this year. Justin Steele's at 15. Spencer Strider's at 15. One of those two guys could get him. Yeah, I think we will. I understand the nature of the question, though, with these guys five and diving all over the place. But yeah, I think we can. I'll say yes, and we may see one this season. Question number three. Probably Spencer Strider. 
Uh, from the 314, we know Marsh loves his video games. What was your favorite video game growing up? My all-time favorite video game the was Tecmo probably Bowl. Tecmo Bowl. Mm. And actually, it was super Tecmo Bowl. Yeah. More teams. They had all the teams, in fact. Yeah. Super Tecmo <clears throat> Bowl. I also loved Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Uh, I'm trying to think. Go back. Paperboy was another fun one. I liked, Not as um, fun as Mike Tyson's Punch-Out in Tecmo Bowl. So I agree with that, although I was a little older when those were available to me. So I go back to like Atari and like ColecoVision, which was like way back then. Asteroids? Asteroids, I was like, yeah, Space Invaders was cool. Pac-Man was good. Donkey Kong. Oh, yeah, I remember Donkey, Donkey Kong. Kong was, but for the Nintendo. It, it, was, uh, it was really good. No, Donkey Kong, the original, the OG was ColecoVision. Wow. Yeah. I don't even know what ColecoVision I, is. Exactly. It was pretty sick back in the day. We didn't actually have one because we didn't have enough money for that. But mm -hmm. my dad, his boss, had one. And uh, he'd let us borrow it like one, a weekend every so often. Yeah. So we'd drag that thing over and we'd play that like <laughs> nonstop. <laughs> do you remember the Nintendo pad that they that you could uh, do like the Olympics? Oh, yeah. You get the, yeah. You run the track and field yes, guy the track and field. Oh, yeah. My forearms are still burning. Yeah. The From that. <laughs> My, I'm sure, Jamie. I mean, I was, it was from, Yeah, it was from the Nintendo pad. Yeah. My yeah. favorite game growing up Good was dash. Mm -hmm. Wayne Gretzky 3D Hockey 98. Best video game on the Nintendo 64. Dude, the, the original NHL for, like, Sega. Sega. Great stuff. RBI Baseball. Shout out RBI Baseball, too. Mm. Question number four. I heard... BK, uh, BK and Ferrario. I don't, BK wasn't there, but it was Ferrario and our guy, the Tan Man T Bone, mm -hmm. and Grant were talking about this. But the I believe it's the ACC are now allowing people to watch games in movie theaters. I wanted to know what your thoughts about that uh, is, and would yeah. you ever consider watching a football game in a movie theater? I would. Cool idea, right? Big screen, awesome. Are you kidding me though? Could you imagine? I know this is the ACC. But imagine, like, the SEC decides to do this. Could you imagine Alabama and Auburn fans getting together to watch in a movie theater? You'd have to have two theaters. Absolutely. One for the Alabama one for Al fans. Exactly. One for the Auburn. Even still, you'd, you'd have to get them in, like, completely different theaters, not just different theaters within the building. I mean, outside the building. But, yes, the concept of it, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I love it. That'd be great. Speaking of which, did you guys see, a little bit off topic, but just talking about sporting events, did you guys see 90,000? I was just about to bring Wait, that up. Go ahead then. Sorry. No, I, oh, we'll make it question five. Question number five. Did you guys see the 98,000 plus fans that watched the Nebraska volleyball game? No. Women's volleyball, uh, they put a volleyball court in the middle of the football field, and 98,000 people watched the show. Showed up. That's cool. It is obviously um, the most people ever at a women's sporting event. It's pretty sick. They're showing 90,000 people. They're showing, showing like, you know how they do the, like when the college football teams come out and the, the lights are like dimming and yeah. going and they're like, these girls are walking out and it's like the, 
for like imagine you go play volleyball like you gotta kind of be a little serene at the yeah. time like you can't go and like leg sweep the girl on the other team right yeah football I mean you're you're people are coming out you're like yeah. these people are cheering and they won the game anyways Nebraska won it was awesome really cool That's pretty thing neat. I think I think it's kind of neat moving forward. So we talk about the mm-hmm. um, like theaters and things like that. Mm-hmm. What if college sports started to do that a little bit to where, you know, the big games, big rivalry games, they put, you know, a court on the football field or, you know, in hockey, it's easy. Yeah. It, it, if Michigan plays Michigan State, it's... And, and they've know. done that before at the big house. Yeah. yeah. So stuff like that, I think would be kind of neat. That would be cool. They did that in, <clears throat> I believe it was Carolina. They had a few ACHA teams play each other. And it drew a huge crowd. And ACHA isn't D1 NCAA. It's club hockey at the collegiate level. So, you know, it, the the skill level is not the same as NCAA, of course, but there was a ton of people that went out there in Carolina, no less, which isn't, a, you know, a huge hockey hotbed. So I think you get you get these teams, these sports out in big venues, and a lot of people show up because it's a, such a big event. Yeah. Uh, I think it's pretty cool. Question number six. Last thing here. According to Adam Schefter, Sean McVay said Cooper Cup suffered a setback with his hamstring is now day-to-day. A lot of fans that drafted Cooper Cup and other players in their fantasy football drafts uh, are probably upset right now. Your thoughts on having drafts a week plus before the actual season starts. It's tough enough for commissioners to get everybody... Available, pick a pick a draft night, settle on the rules and all that as it is. So hey, if you don't like it, pay attention more to the the, the later rounds. Mm-hmm. It's where you get the depth. All right. You just gotta know that he's going to get injured again. You, you have to have think. the foresight to know that Cooper Cup maybe will grab, injure himself again. Maybe you grab a, a Van Jefferson. Make sure that you got him. I wouldn't grab anybody with that team. I just outside like, of Cooper Cup, I'm with you. Do you think Matt Stafford knows who Cooper Cup is? Probably not. No, you don't think so. It's gonna have to. Help. He's been away from the team for According to his wife, he doesn't Probably, have anybody yeah. on the team. No. Yeah. It's Fastlane on 101 ESPN. What you miss? Criticisms, compliments. Next. We're right back to the Fastlane podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. If you miss anything from today's show, you can always download the podcast available after the show, 101ESPN.com or your 101 ESPN mobile apps, all brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Talk to our guy Brad Thompson today. Why didn't the Cardinals pursue Lucas Giolito? Talked about the young pitchers, Dakota Hudson, Zach Thompson, and Drew Rahm with BT. Discussed Colton Pareko and the Jeremy Rutherford article with uh, ourselves and then also Chris Kerber. Did some NFL as well, NFL contender or pretender for the championship Sundays. Uh, looked at the NFC South and also had some fun with hot take or hot garbage here in the fast lane. A new segment, which apparently did pretty well, according to the fans, so, or the listeners. Marsh, what do you got for criticisms and compliments? Yeah, you just mentioned hot take or, or hot garbage from the 636. Great segment. Keep it in rotation. I think we will. Yeah, yeah. that was fun. And thank you for coming up with some... Excellent hot takes slash slash hot garbages. 
We were talking about Shohei Otani earlier in the show with BT, and you mentioned that uh, it's all my fault, which I will take the blame for. Yeah. From the 618, another bad idea by Marsh, just like not playing Sounders during the lineup game. Well, we fixed that. We did. We did. We fixed the Cardinals. Yeah, but Marsh, no kidding. Yeah, good Mm -hmm. call, Jamie. Marsh really pushed back on that, though. He was not happy at all. I wasn't. To be doing the Sounders when the guys didn't get hits. I know. Yeah, I mean, in fact, he was irate. I was pretty upset. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't need to take a swing at us, but. Well. Took a swing at you? Yeah. Wow. It's aggressive. I'm sorry, Anthony. From the, actually, this one's from Grant that you feel that way. This one's oh, from Grant. Uh, he texted me after the gauntlet. He said, "Did Jamie whine this much during his playing days, or only in the gauntlet?" Wow, that Grant. Grant. Okay, Grant. Put the phone down. Holy <laughs> Back smokes! Away. Don't let two seconds of stupidity ruin the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, though, I mean, he did complain a lot. I didn't complain. I just said that the questions were hard. Someone, if, if Grant was competitive, he would say, he would look at that and go, oh, you know what? That's a compliment. He thought my questions were difficult. But apparently he doesn't. It's a great spin zone. Yeah. Yeah. He then texted me and said, oh, he's Jamie will day, probably huh? murder me tomorrow. It's fine. I said, no, it's all good. He'll be he's gone. Off. Yeah. <laughs> I think I will be. I might delay my entire trip. Yeah. <laughs> Jamie's off tomorrow. I'm Dan a Ma- spiteful son of a... Yeah, you are. Dan McLaughlin in for Jamie. Bradford Bruns in for Marsh. These guys are both leaving early on a Friday. Mm. Apparently, they're weak. Their work week's only four days. It is this week, Anthony. Yeah. Next week, though, you can get signed up to play in this year's Fastlane Pick'em Challenge at 101ESPN.com. You can make your football picks each week. See if you can defeat us, as well as the Rizzuto Show, Fastlane, Riz Show, throwing down each and every week during the football season. In the Pick'em Challenge, you can get up, you get uh, signed up to play right now at 101ESPN.com. It's all courtesy of Bud Light. Earlier in the show, we were talking about City SC from the 636, in quote, Klaus is soccer's Mario Lemieux, Jamie Rivers. Agreed, Jamie. Yeah. Easily. One of the greatest players ever. Yep. MLS history. And he's proven it. Yeah. And he's playing for your hometown soccer team. First place. Yeah. First place in the West. Yeah. First place in your heart. Yep. Dominating left and right. And they are taking on Sporting KC. And uh, screw those guys. we said screw those guys from the 636. Jamie, 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 get it right, man. Don't say screw those guys. It's those guys are screwed. All of the above. Yeah. Take your pick. Yeah, man. However you want to, however you want to screw those guys, yeah. you can. You're right. Well said. Yep. All right. How much time we got, Marsh? About 30 seconds. All right. Want to thank everybody for listening to today's show. Have a great weekend, Anthony. You too, Jamie. Oh, I will. And you too, Marsh. Thank you. We have an extended safe. weekend too. Labor Day on Monday. Oh, that's right. Look at you guys. Mm-hmm. Well, four day weekend for you Let's kids. Let's go, baby. Way to go. All right, Dan McLaughlin and Bradford Bruns in tomorrow for Jamie Rivers and Andrew Marsh. We will see you tomorrow at two o'clock. See you. You've been listening to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.